Previously on Perfect Weekly. And welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. And I'm Jen's mom. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We would never ever say Snape scathed. We would say Snape said scathingly. 640,000 years ago, that third of America blew up. Boys and girls, (laughs) there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. Oh my God. Yeah, but there's also a thing called Vitrificus Totalis. So. Perfect Weekly, not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> do you own a pig? No, but I do have a goat. Really? We don't have a lawnmower. <laughs> What's the goat's name? Bernard. Oh my God, I'm not going to lie. I have to- I have no idea what's going on. Somebody explain to me what just happened. Have you been here the whole time? <laughs> I've been here the whole time, but I can't remember what was just said. <laughs> oh my goodness. Poor Bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals. I wore a really big hat. And I run after my car. <laughs> I've just finished taking a test on what's your seduction style. I have got to take that test. I don't know what that noise was that came out of Gambin's mouth. But I think it caused some women in the audience to become infertile. Oh, I love the social intercourse so varied. It gets me so excited for the guy this is like the Manhattan Project. Superman is Moses. Honestly, don't you people read? Okay, the two Superman is not Moses. Moses is dependent on Aaron. See, Batman depends on Robin. If you're going to do Moses, <laughs> Moses, the guy that was lost like in the Moses. desert for like 40 years, that just okay. got inspired confidence in crime-fighting ability. There's like auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch, not while on the toilet. There's no way we have Wank. We don't care enough about the fans of to have Wank. We'll take a guess. This guys, you guys are the most dysfunctional people. These are really stupid people. Like, I have a lot to learn from these people. She sent me a message today. I can't believe it. Good news. Texas has a possibility of tornadoes. Oh, my God. A tree just went through my parents' house. Not only do I love the chapters, not only do I have so much to say, not only am I in a little bit of a bad mood, but Jen is being attacked by hail. I don't know where we're going to end up in two hours, but it's going to be very interesting. And now, Potterfic Weekly. I'm Lady Chi. And I'm Dan. Crap! We, I, we did that time. You, I'm like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. She has to be Dan. No, it didn't work. <laughs> yes, Dan. I, I did not. I never do well in those logic problems at, at school. All right. Oh, I don't even know what to say. This is our second episode on the Coven of Echoes. And I'm not going to lie to you. None of the hosts were actually in the first episode. <laughs> So, and we so, tried though. We, Jen and I hung in there for as long as we could. Can I just tell you, I, what episode, I don't even know what number that was. Episode 44? Episode 44? <laughs> we, we tried to do it like five It times. was the, 
last week was the biggest disaster <laughs> in the history of Politic Weekly. And I just need to I need to explain how big of a disaster last week's episode was. We once did an episode, and you people who have listened to this all the time know this. We once did an episode where Chi was standing on a coffee table like a statue. <laughs> Jen was had her head hanging out the window of a car, and Rina was screaming through like a rabbit hole. And we still managed to complete the damn podcast, and it would have been wonderful had I hit record. So we have had real disasters on this podcast. Okay, the, the, we had the episode open with, welcome back to Parfic Weekly, this is Ryan. <laughs> so we had to stop on account of Jen crying hysterically. The next night... I'm so upset. The, the next night, no one, you could only hear one, like there were three hosts on the phone, but you could only hear one other person, so, like, you had to, like, set, you had to, like, translate what everyone was saying for everyone else. Hello. Yeah, it, 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 it was not a good situation, so tonight we decided we were going to have a flawless episode of Perfect Weekly. You know, the, we're, we're over it, we're done, we're, we're back to work, and I got a text message from Lady Chi today, and <laughs> I love getting text messages from Lady Chi because they're always so optimistic and they're always so cheerful. <laughs> And I get a message from Lady Chi that says, good news. Now, I stopped there and said, I put my hand on my chest, and I closed my eyes, and I went, ah, good news. I am thrilled already, Chi. I'm thrilled. And then I looked back to my, to my cell phone. Texas has the possibility of tornadoes tonight. And I looked back, and I said, Chi, well done. Well done. Y'all make me sick. Why didn't y'all tell me? <laughs> we thought you would have known. We thought, and we want. If you didn't know, it yeah, would have been a nice surprise. surprise. So, so Jen, first of all, how are you doing this evening? How are you? Well, my windows blew away, <laughs> and a tree went through my parents' house, and I'm still like, I may run away at any minute. So, fine though, fine, in good health. So for us, it's like an eight out of ten. Yeah. yeah well. I'm- Sixty percent. Well, that would be six out of ten, but you know we're 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 above five. <laughs> we're above five, and that ain't bad. That's what that ain't we're, bad. We're above the five. We are above the the threshold. Now, I just need to to share with you all some 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 very upsetting and startling news which we received this week on Pyrific Weekly. Now, up until this past week, as we know, Jen has been the interesting host on Potterfic Weekly. Jen was the one with the best stories, whether they involved death or locusts or Amish people or taillights or ma'am, can you put your hands behind your back? You know, like, like, like Jen has had the fun stories. Now, something shocking happened. Um, something very shocking has happened to us here at Potterfic Weekly. Um, Jen has been replaced as the interesting one. <laughs> And mm-hmm. it was shocking for all of us, and, and we didn't really see it coming. But uh, the other day, uh, Rena, you all remember Rena? Hi, y'all. How's it going? Uh, Rena is the was the owner or the um, the user of, of Bernard, the the lawnmower, um, prior to his untimely demise in the middle of a lightning storm. You know, uh, well, we're just gonna let that story stand on its own. And, um, you know, Rena has had, you know, she's been living in, in, in the sticks. She's been living in, in the country. And, uh, Rena, Rena came back. Rena's back at Pyrific Weekly. She's there in the forums and she's typing and she's, oh, look, it's Rena. And she's so happy. So Rena chimed in. Someone must have said, Rena, how are you? 
And she chimed in to tell us that an F4 tornado ripped a 150-mile path across Arkansas and destroyed her house. So we thought to ourselves, oh my god, that's the worst story ever. It could not possibly have gotten any worse than that. And then she told us the entire county was without power for seven days. And my response was, ooh, I lost power for 30 seconds tonight. I was cranky. (laughs) Last month, I'm not going to lie to you, I lost power. I have 43 flashlights in my house, but unfortunately, I don't have any batteries. So that was a a learning experience for us all. So I said, oh my, well, you know, Rinda, the power came back on, your house was destroyed, but you're obviously, you're typing now, you're not, you're obviously, you know, back in the world of, of, you know, the technologically sound, so so things are doing well. So that must have been the end of the story. And then she said, for some ungodly reason, our county's main only transmission line that brings power is located on the side of a cliff over a river. And I said to myself, hmm, that's kind of <laughs> like when we put the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in Louisiana. That was an interesting choice. I would have preferred <laughs> Kansas, but you know, whatever. So, although after tonight, I'm, I'm rethinking that whole Kansas thing. And um, she let us know the that there was then a snowstorm, the main transmission line froze and fell into the river. I'm like, huh, okay, well, that must be the end of the story. She then told me that all of the buildings in her town that were destroyed were uninsured, so they can't rebuild any of them. And apparently all of her shoes were lost. She slipped and broke her back, but it got better because there was a silver lining. Monsoon season began. No one really got monsoon season. It's okay. Maybe I didn't think. You guys, I feel like an idiot because I don't know what a monsoon is. You know what, Jen? Let's go to Wikipedia because like Harry with his trusty book that he can write anything. Is it a title? Let us go to monsoon on Wikipedia. It's, oh, it's right. like a-, a monsoon is a seasonal prevailing wind which lasts for several months. The term was first used in English in India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and neighboring countries to refer to the big seasonal winds blowing from the Atlantic, I'm sorry, blowing from the Indian and Arabian Sea in the southwest, bringing heavy rainfall to the region. So once Rinna lost everything that she owned and her transmission lines you know, fell into the ocean and, you, you know, all of the buildings were gutted, you know, and could never be rebuilt again. It rained a lot. Okay, so this mo- y'all are griping about some wind? There was <laughs> no, rain. it's not. Well, it was... It's like a hurricane in the tropics, right? Yeah, let me point you this way. A Chevy landed on Rinna's house, and then it but that rained. But a tornado. Well, no. For, first what happened, first what happened was a tornado hit, and then the power station fell off the cliff into the water, and then it snowed on top of everybody, and then they were told they can't rebuild any of the buildings, and then it rained for like a month. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds bad. You are absolutely unimpressed, aren't you? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so frequent here. It's all about you, isn't it? (laughs) Poor Jen is is, is hiding from the monsoon right now. All right, that's fair. <laughs> May, too soon, maybe too soon. Yeah. So that's all we have on that issue. Um, again, last week's episode, I want to thank the peons for stepping forward. I'm sure they did a great job. I haven't heard the episode yet, so it's very possible you did nothing but mock me the entire time, and I'm sitting here thanking you profusely for your hard work. <laughs> so I read these. I, so I read these chapters, thinking to myself, I don't know what's going on. 
but I do know that Susan is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and every time she yep, did yep. something stupid, I'm like, with every Susan's Susan. like, bitch. Here, do you want a Coke? Don't drink the Coke, Jenny. Don't drink the Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I was having a conversation with Keza, and she she answers me, and she goes, Chee! And I said, what? And she goes, can you explain what the hell the Coven of Echoes is? And I oh, said, an entire oh, my gosh. About that. Lego, I think, found about straight. About Freemasons. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I, said, I said, they're a secret society, kind of like the Freemasons, and there's like dot, dot, dot thing, and she's like, and that means what? <laughs> that was well, like, I love that everyone's read... in Australia. I'm wondering if it's a good sign that everyone's read the fic, and then they're like, does anyone know what happened? <laughs> We're a little confused <laughs> on the salient details. What? What are the common event goes? I don't get. It's like the last episode of The Sopranos. We're like, does anyone know what happened? Who shot Jr.? Somebody tell me. Okay. <laughs> so as our episode progresses tonight, everybody, we are in. Jen is in the middle of a tornado. Rena is in the middle of a monsoon. She's not here, but we think of her because you know she is in the middle of a monsoon. And we think of her. All of our houses are basically being overrun by locusts, except Melinda, who's having a very nice evening. So if in the middle of the night I am replaced by Ite, just don't. Ite? Why am I saying Ite all of a sudden? Ite. If in the middle of the evening I all of a sudden am replaced without explanation by Ite, just go with it. Just go with it. Because now, now here's the deal. Because we're going to get into Coven of Echoes and we're going to retread a little bit of ground from last week. I just want to start off by saying something. Now, we, I value very much and we value very much you know, not spoiling for future chapters. I'm going to assume, if you're listening to this, you've probably read all of Coven of Echoes. If not, to get the joke, you may wish to go and read that now. But you know what? <laughs> if you're only up to Chapter 14 of Coven of Echoes, that's okay. Now, during the last episode of Parfic Weekly, um, some hosts forgot that I hadn't finished the fic. So they gave away something that, that happens later, and I became very, very angry. Or is He's angry. so sensitive. Well, I was about to say I really can't become angry, but as we all know from two episodes ago, Huggles can be very upset. Yes, so we'll Huggles. Just leave, yes, Huggles can be very upset. <laughs> I could be like in the Coven of Echoes, whatever that is. I could so be one. Are you really only up to Chapter 14 now, Ryan? Tonight I am up to only to Chapter 14. But before I even got to Chapter 5, someone gave away a very important secret. And I'm not going I'm not going to obviously say what Gee, that secret is. Are you rolling is. your eyes? Yeah. I'm not going to say what the secret is. But if you've read Coven of Echoes, you can probably guess maybe something that happens in the early chapters that maybe, you know, is, is a secret for what's to come later. So, as I read these chapters, I read it, I read from 1 to 14 again to, in preparation for tonight's podcast, and I was obviously keeping an eye on certain plot developments now that something had been spoiled for me. And I only have this to say to H. Whimsy as a result of that. Oh, you're good. You are very, <laughs> very, very good, and you know why. But I just can't say so now. But everybody knows what I'm talking about, except those of you who follow the rules and haven't read ahead. You people have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. But we'll just leave that right there. So I will do my very best to 
explain why she is just that good without actually saying it. And then next week, we'll laugh and laugh and laugh about it. Okay? Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds I hope it's fabulous. In ne- I hope it's in next week's podcast, because I can't do this for two more weeks. This is just going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. can imagine. So. Okay, so since none of us were really in on the last podcast, why don't we just um, brush up on our thoughts of the beginning of the podcast, and then we'll jump into the chapters for tonight. Uh, Chi, why don't you start? Um, okay. Uh, well, I like I, I said in the episode, it kind of got <clears throat> deleted. Um, this is a, a thick of, uh, written by somebody who is a, a very well, I wouldn't call her a very good friend, a friend or acquaintance of mine. Um, we kind of were writing um, similar stories at the same time. And uh, so I I really enjoy this fic for what it is. And I think uh, I, I've been reading some of the criticism on Potter Fic Weekly on the forums. Um, and I think a lot of it is, you know, is valid. Um, some of it I would disagree with. Um, but I think, you know, as many people have said to me when <laughs> reading their favorite stories and I was rolling my eyes. Um, you kind of have to just appreciate it for what it is. And uh, if you can do that, then it's it's a fantastic story with a lot of really fascinating twists and turns and emotional angst. So, so it's a favorite of mine. Okay. Melinda, how about you? Yeah, I read this one quite a while ago, and it was uh, it's always one up there as one of my favorites. I like this story. Well said, Melinda. Very well said. <laughs> Melinda's reading the menu at not your average shows right now, so Melinda's like, <laughs> no, I've got, I've got, I just, I didn't, uh, I don't know. Melinda, hug, Melinda, hug, hug, Dan, how about you? Uh, well, my favorite genre, uh, outside of fix, just. Original fiction has to be uh, suspense and mystery. So, of course, having a Harry Potter suspense mystery that's not necessarily related to Voldemort, uh, one of my favorite fics. Chance? I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I think, it, I think, it, I like, usually in my fics, I think I have a lot more. This is a very plot oriented fic. And, um, I always, in my fics, like <laughs> so much backstory that, you know, it makes you want to throw up. You have so much, um, and I could have, I could have liked a bit more backstory on this fake. But, yeah. but other than that, like the characterizations of certain characters, like Harry. Oh my gosh, did did she rock with that character? I mean, he is sexy, <laughs> hot, awesome guy. And I'm sorry, but the uh, rough and tumble scene. Um, yeah, one of my top favorites ever. <laughs> and. It was totally the, you know, the pushy up against the wall kind of good stuff. And As Jen has but, said many uh, times, she has tried to recreate that scene with her husband, but she's bumped her head and had to go to the <laughs> He's too tall. No, uh, <laughs> um, no, I really enjoyed I think it was a really fun read. You know, yeah. one of those that you sit down and it's a movie. It's like a movie, you know, that you can go and you can watch it and really enjoy it and leave and always look back at it and kind of smile because you liked it, but I don't know if I would classify it as my than a lot favorite. of stories that are out there now. Yeah, very yeah. Good, yeah. Um, I liked the muggle. I like, you know, I know that I had complaints that it was hard to get into because it seemed so muggle to me, but I think once you embrace the muggle-ness of the story, <laughs> did you like that? Um, <laughs> that it's really fascinating and like quirky, and, I, and so I really thought it was really cute. I liked it. 
Well, that's the thing that I think it, it's difficult for us to get into because we put down one thing and then we pick up another one. And sometimes, for me at least, okay. I don't know about the rest of you, it's because you've all read many more fics than I have. It's difficult for me to like you know pull myself out of the nightmare world and put myself into a new world because they're the same characters. You, you there's like a moment, there's like jet lag where you're still used to the character in this story. Now you have to get used to them behaving in that story. And, just to say this too, I think I'm 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 very glad I'm in this episode and wasn't really in the last one because I think at the end of last week I I think I didn't get a really good feel out of the, it wasn't a very good reading experience for me last week because I was I, I was just very busy and I I don't think I was in the frame of mind to to pick up a new fic right then but had to for the podcast so what I did was after last week um, I went back and I read all the chapters again like I said and I enjoyed it much much more. This time, I think I was more receptive. Did you read the whole thing this time? I read the whole thing. No, well, I read chapter one up to chapter 14. I, I, I read the whole thing. I read everything really? last okay. week. So you've only read up to the chapters we're supposed to read. Yes. I'm actually going to finish. Because when I, when I read last week, I had just read one through six, and I hadn't felt like I latched onto the story yet. Right. And I didn't feel like connected to it. How you know, like when you read it, when you read a story, and you have to feel that connection to yes. the characters and to the, to the story to really enjoy it. And, and I was like, wow, I just didn't feel connected. I don't understand. And, and so I went back and I reread, and I actually re- I finished the story, I read the whole story, and I liked it a lot better after getting the whole thing in one sitting rather than in segments. Yeah. To me, the story just worked better for me. It's it's a very different type of story, and I think one of the complaints, I think, you know, we've recorded, I feel like we recorded the last podcast four times, so I forgot what was said and what wasn't, so if you're a regular listener, we're sorry if we're repeating ourselves. Um, one thing that, that I didn't like last week, which I do like this week, and it's the same thing, my perception has just changed, is we literally started a story, and 30 seconds later, I felt like we were in a battle scene. Because it it threw you, it, it like dumped cold water on you, and you're thrown in the story, and you don't have the exposition, and you don't know what's going on, and you feel very, uh, you feel very ungrounded, and, and it's 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 weird to start a story that way. Now, I would probably say, you know, if I were removed from the situation, that's a better reading experience because it makes the reader feel like they're just as confused as everybody else. And it really, um, it, it makes you work for it. And it's, it's a, it's probably a more dynamic, uh, writing style than if, you know, Ginny woke up one day and Ginny went to work and Ginny, if it, yeah. if it really, <laughs> if it walked you through it. I, yeah. I think the problem I had last week is it, it kind of like what Jen just said. I felt, I felt like I didn't get, like everyone was acting so strangely that it, like, it, like it almost seemed like a bad well, written fic and it wasn't, but that's just. Think- I think that it's, I like it because it's different and it's, it takes you away from Hogwarts and away from the familiar settings that we know. And she writes with such vivid imagery, like everything that she describes is, it's really the word she uses. It's really interesting reading it. But to be honest, I hesitated a little bit before because I think, I think the characterization is a little off of, of my favorite characters. I, well, I, let me. I'll. I'll, bring, I'll meet well, you I agree with that because I did not really like Hermione very much at all. Yeah, and I haven't gone. But, but maybe that's not who she's referring to. I haven't gone into Hermione very much yet. I will tell you that Ron seemed very off in the beginning, and um, I felt like you know Harry was was a bit. Well, let me even back up again. I felt like in the beginning, I felt like Ron wasn't the Ron I know. Like, Ron annoys the hell out of me in canon, but if he annoys the hell out of me, it probably means he's being well-written. He seemed very, yeah. um, he seemed very toned down 
He didn't like that passive. And- yeah, Jenny was just near, was just threatened and 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 you know could have been killed at work. And Ron's there. You think like Ron would have taken her over his shoulder, carried her to the borough, and locked her in her bedroom and wouldn't let her come out, even though she's a grown woman and pays income tax. I mean, that's Ron. The fact that he's like, <laughs> so the fact he's like. Jin and Jin, you all right? You, you need anything? Was kind of, I was like, what, what the hell is up with him? Like, and like Tonk seems a little too toned down, and the characters didn't seem like themselves. But the thing which I'm not right on here is that we're also dealing with nine years later. You're dealing with you know characters who have grown, matured, changed. They're not the characters they were in the last fic I read, so they should behave differently. So you really do have the ability to, to recraft these characters. So that's absolutely fair. And I think going forward into the into the chapters through tonight, we really got to see the, the characters uh, grow, and we really got to see it be explained why the characters you know, ha- have, have become these people. And I just want to say one other thing too, and then I'll turn it over to you guys. One thing about any fic, and I've said this before, is that I'll, I'm never going to remember plot five years from now. Like, I've read many different fics, and the plots have been relatively similar, but maybe an author brought up a single idea that J.K.R. never touched on, or maybe there was just one great scene between Harry and Hermione that I'll always remember. If I forget what, you know, the 45 chapters and the plot in, in the stone of eternal whatever, and, 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 you know, if Harry could touch it, Voldemort would... would explode, whatever. I'm not going to remember that, but I'm going to remember those great scenes and those little moments. I felt like there were a lot of moments in this fic that could have happened after Deathly Hallows and would still be relevant. So I really feel like each whimsy, or whimsy, or, or what are we calling her? Oh, Is, your name. What? It's a whimsy. A whimsy? Okay. <laughs> Let me say that again. Whimsy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I really feel like whimsy you know, really added something to the Harry Potter universe. So whether or not, you know, we're going to go back and forth over the Goblin of Echoes versus the dumps, dumpster gate versus all these different things. <laughs> it's really important to, to note that I felt like there, there were, uh, there were so many of those scenes that I'm always going to remember that even if you totally, you know, crash and burn into the later chapters, I'm still going to really like this story. So just throw another thing. Yeah. 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 I, I've, I've got to uh, agree with Ryan a little bit because, I mean, in, in canon, the uh, whole Harry... Let me preface this by saying that I am a Harry Ginny fan, but in canon, it seems a little bit too perfect, and at least this shows that it's more like what a real relationship would actually be like. So. angsty, and who doesn't like in their romance? <laughs> I would, I will say that, that I have been reading some comments about, um, about in particular, Harry and Jenny's relationship, and um, there's some very valid criticism. I, I can understand why she did what she did, and I ultimately I enjoy it. I think that she might have, um, you know, played with characterization just a little bit in order to make this huge dramatic fight work. Um, but See, that's what's so fun about being an author because you can do that. And what's good about her story is she does back it up with good characterization and good description. So, yeah, can get into the story, even if it's not the characters we knew from canon exactly. I have to say that my favorite thing about this this story is the setting, is this dystopian sort of, you know, the war is over, but not everything is rosy. And, you know, you kind of get this sense of, like, um, fog and gray and, you know, kind of very 
film noir esque yeah. type settings, you know, of um, you know the, the hospital and you know this very um, uh, what do you want to say um, uh, abrasive American and uh, you know that sort of thing is is very the setting is my favorite thing about this story you know I like the relationships and I like the characters but this world is you know I think that was for me I'm a huge Harry Jenny fan I mean everybody knows that I I wasn't as thrilled with the Harry Jenny aspect (laughs) I wasn't as thrilled with the Harry Jenny aspect of this story but it was the other parts of the story that intrigued me much more I liked the whole mystery and the it it was just different and I I was more interested in the suspense of what was going on with the coven. I don't, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm just going to throw it out there and see if anyone else can explain what the hell I'm thinking, because I certainly have no idea. Reading the story, there was something about it that that I couldn't put my finger on until I got actually to, I think it was um, probably chapter 12 or chapter 13, the chapter where Harry and Jin, it's where Harry and Ginny wake up and they're, they're in the chair and their backs are tied and they're, and they're tied together. It seemed like a play. The entire, mm-hmm. I, I could see this performed as a play, and I don't get that from a lot of other fix. You know, you have these monster scenes in the Great Hall, and you have the Battle of Hogwarts times five, and, and all these different things happening. The entire fix seemed like it could be filmed just in a, in a couple of sets, and, and it really does seem like a play between these characters. And one of the things is, like, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with a TV show called Scarecrow and Mrs. King. I have no idea. I don't remember it now. I don't. I, I know it's the guy from Babylon Five, but I, I don't remember the show. But I remember it was one of those kind of corny TV shows where, like, in every episode, you know, the woman would be tied to the railroad tracks and the train is coming. You know, it, <laughs> yeah. it's like, like, like criminals are not that stupid. Like, why would you do that? Come on. But like, you know, it, it, it's obviously it, it, it's written, you know, somewhat tongue in cheek because it's just so ludicrous. Like reading through some of the some of the chapters, you could tell that there was a particular style to the story. And there, there were just like the scene where Harry and Jenny wake up and they were and they were, you know, in the chairs tied together. I, I, I started laughing because it reminded me of like an old Superman episode from the 50s. You know, where Superman has to come to save the day because they're falling into the grave. Like, it seemed like one of those, it, it, it seemed like an homage to, to a different type of story, you know, where you have mm-hmm. to get the thing out of the guy's pocket to, to, you know, untie the rope, and then we have to run out of the building, and we have to signal for the, it just seemed like, it was, it, it's nothing like I've ever read in a Harry Potter novel or a Harry Potter fanfic before, and I thought it was just a really great moment that that was in there, and I'm not sure if it was tongue-in-cheek or if I just kind of picked that out of nowhere, but there were moments like that there at these chapters that made me take the story less seriously, but in a good way. And I got to yeah. enjoy it like it was a really good play. And I think I, I, I enjoyed it, the, you know, the characterization much more, you know, taking it as a really good play. Well, I think it's it's very, I mean, the one thing you can say about her style is, you know, it, it's very dialogue-driven. The dialogue pushes the story. Whereas with Viridian, that was not so much so. It was kind of the internal monologuing of the characters and, you know, the description. and, mm-hmm. and But this is... Consistently, I would say there's probably three lines of dialogue to every line of description. It's very, you know, it just, 
it's like a the imagery she uses in yeah. her description is so vivid that that I never had any problem visualizing anything mm-hmm. that was going on in this exactly, story. Exactly, exactly. She's a she's a great example of like what I would call concise and clear writing, which is you know using as few words as possible in the most effective way possible. Yeah. And um, I so I think she's a master at it. I think you know. This is the type of story that I like to read, that I like to write, you know, that kind of, you don't have to, it's not necessarily thinking so much because you can just kind of see it in your head. It's very much like a movie or like a play. I said film noir, Ryan said the scarecrow and Mrs. King. I think it's kind of the same thing, you know, we can kind of mm-hmm. all take these characters and these actions and these dialogues and just kind of, I don't have any problem seeing what's going on in my head and I don't think that anybody else has, has a problem. Yeah, like, I could easily picture Ginny's apartment. I could picture the set if it were a play. I could picture a very cramped hospital emergency room. I could really, really, really picture... Um, I could really picture the witch's shop. Now, I, I've, re- I've read this more fascinating than I would have wanted. In Madame Kuslova's shop, like, I could picture that. It was, it was, like, like, the, so like, the, creepy. like, the cross between the monkey and the alligator. Like, I can't picture that, but good description anyway. Like, that's a really good effort to try and get me to picture something that gruesome. Or, you know, like, <laughs> like, 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 it got me into the scene so much that when Ginny was about to sign her name to the guest book, I'm like, don't do it! This does not bode well! And it just, like, it was, it really got my heart going. <laughs> Like, the scenes are just so... I think she got some of the best OCs. I'm never a real big fan of OCs. I don't like when they they have too big of a role in the story. But I love some of the OCs that she has in this one, including Madame Kuslova. And I also, like, I know a bunch of you were complaining about the arrogant American... Arids, Arids, or yeah. air raids, as would put air it. raids. <laughs> reminds me of Snape. I think he took Snape's role in this story. No, I'm sorry, yeah, Madam. Absolutely, Madam Kuzma, or whatever he's... her name was. There were some lines she had that were taken directly from the script of Order of the Phoenix. I'm sorry, like there were, like she even didn't she even call? What, what was the line that Snape always had for uh, Hermione? Like you stupid little girl. No. What was the? It was the. Know it all. You bossy. Whatever. There's a line that Snape. I can't think of it for the life of me. There's a line that Snape with all. No, it's the one that Voldemort used to on Lily when he was at um when he was at Godric's Hollow. He's like, step aside, you silly little girl. Whatever. Whatever the line was. There's a um Madame Kuslova, whatever her name is, Kuslova kept using use that line on Ginny or something very similar to it. So I actually was pulling Snape out of there. I have no idea how, but. Yeah, the, the, the OCs are, are great. Um, and, and I actually, um, Whimsy was online today, and I sent her a message. I've never spoken to her before in my life. I'm like, I hate your American, but in a good way. And <laughs> and she wrote back to me, and she said, you know, keep looking at them. There's more stuff in there. You, you know, you may not feel that way in the end, or, or, or however she said it. And I actually found myself growing to his character. And when I first read the story, when I, when I first did the, he seemed like a one-dimensional really just annoying character and the second read through he still annoys the hell out of me but like in an umbrage kind of way not like he's evil he's but annoying he's an, he, I don't like him but I like the character that's gets, why I think he reminds me so much of Snape he gets a rise out of you and he, and he gets you so angry and it's like the thing Jen was saying too with just the angst you want to see the situation come to a head and it's frustrating for you as a reader that you have more knowledge than the characters do and you, you, and you just really want the situation to come to a head. 
I just actually want to ask a question to Chi and some of the other people who've been reading the forum comments, because I, I've been glancing, but I haven't been reading them. Um, the, the issues people are having with the characterization of Harry and Ginny together, um, let me just say this, and we'll see how, how the conversation goes, because I don't want to spoil myself or spoil anyone else. I am under the impression, reading this now, that Harry and Ginny, you know, broke up a year ago. And they broke up as a result of something that Ginny thought she saw. Mm-hmm. And Harry didn't actually do. So he has no idea why she left. So she thinks that he is just not acknowledging the elephant in the room. And he has no idea what the hell she's talking about. That's how I'm reading it. Right, right. You should be able to gather that he, that she saw him with the... The French, uh, you should Tamsin. be able to gather Tamsin, her, Tamsin. the French or he saw, she saw Harry and her in a kind of precarious situation, position, mm-hmm. and, and thought something, thought more of it than she should have. That's, so, yeah. Okay. So what issues were people, without spoiling, what issues were people having with that characterization? Because I thought it was great, and I know Melinda said too that she, it wasn't her favorite part. I'm just curious what people are saying. Well, I think if I, if I, Melinda, you don't mind me going first. I think that the most, um, the, the, the concern seems to be that Harry doesn't fight for Jenny. Doesn't kind of go after her and insist that she explain what's going on to him. And, you know, he just kind of lets her leave. And then she comes back, you know, and, and they've broken up or whatever. So, and yeah. Jenny, I mean, I can understand how devastated that she would be, you know, if she had seen something that, but she's kind of complacent about, you know, she's just going to go away and let it go for this long, you know, it's a whole year, she hasn't gone home, she hasn't talked to anybody. The Ginny that I know, she comes out hexing and cursing and and, 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 and she's not much of a fighter. I find her, I don't find her much of a fighter at all in this story, which is is why I, I don't. My reasoning for not being concerned with that was I was under the impression that there are a lot of plot devices going on that can explain bad characterization or what seems to be bad characterization. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of buying into that. Like, I'll agree. Like, you know, Ginny, when she when she sees Harry and, um, I'm sorry, what was her name? The, the French? Tamsin. 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 You know, when... when Ginny sees Tamsin and Harry, you know, you know, essentially having sex, or you know, they're 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 in the room, and, and you know, it's it's kind of unclear what's happening. She goes outside and you know, throws up in the bathroom, and then you know, Susan says, "Don't worry, we're going to get you a new job, the new life." And all of a sudden, she's living presumably hundreds of miles away, and she's not going home to the borough anymore, and she's not really contacting her family. That doesn't seem like Ginny. You're right, but I'm I'm under the impression reading this that there's a lot more going on there. And that that will be explained. If it's not explained, um, yeah, I, I'd say you definitely have. I agree with you. I mean, it never bothered me as characterization because I didn't see it as bad characterization. I saw it just as a additional plot mystery. Yeah. Like why? Like the like the point we see these characters and they're very strange and and so we're gonna figure out why Jenny isn't having contact with her family and why. Hair, why they're always why they're so cut off from every from each other and so so I I don't know at this point yeah, yeah. a year seems to be a bit long for me for Ginny to 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 she's more spur of the moment you know she just kind of 
Yeah, that did like, like I can see it yeah. even like the next morning. It said Harry came and he's walking up the door and she saw him come through the window with a smile on his face. And it's like she knows Harry. I mean, she's been with him. If, if he had really cheated, his conscience would bother him more than she would well, know it's that. After not his character. Time, she would figure it out. Well, let me ask you this. The way, cause I was a little unclear, and I may have, I'm not sure if it was cryptically written or if I just didn't give it enough attention. The, the scene where it describes how Ginny found out, Ginny, now was it that Ginny and Susan were walking and saw it through the window? Yes, I, yeah, they, she saw, the they walked into the apartment. Well, she but could also hear saw, Harry saying words that he had only said to her, and it was because he was using the same words, that he knew these words. But Susan, she knew these, yeah, but these Susan words. had, like, tried to but warn But Susan Ginny was with away. her the entire time, But yes. Susan yes. tried to pull Ginny away, so I assume that, that Susan saw it, or Susan was aware of it and tried to pull Ginny back, and Ginny pushed forward. My question is, was Harry aware of the fact that Ginny had been there? No. That was the thing. So it wasn't like, you know, he, they had this awful moment, and then Harry came walking up the next day, like, with the coffee and the bagels, and, and, you know, he has no idea why she's upset. But, I'm gonna, But he, he didn't. Yeah. I'm gonna reserve judgment on Ginny. The one thing I do wanna say that with Harry, and I wanna get into some of the Harry characterization we got in these chapters, is that. Yeah. He's really sexy. Can somebody explain can, can someone again explain to me how you can have dark emerald eyes? Oh, you can. You can. It's like and the dark eyelashes. They like, even describe his eyelashes. It's oh. a dark turquoise. I can't figure that out. Okay, but <laughs> but the the thing with Harry is Harry is, and we've talked about this to death and other fix. He's the chronic, you know. Example of survivor's guilt. He's he, he's you know he he feels guilt about everything. His self esteem is usually in the toilet. If Ginny you know Ginny leaves him, so he assumes she just can't manage the attention, the press, and and, and what it means to be you know with Harry Potter. And he yeah, finds- and he can't stand it. So I think he can understand how how why would she want to? Yeah. Why would she want to for me? Yeah. So I don't think Harry was really yeah. surprised that Ginny left. I, I was. Yeah. I, that 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 Harry's characterization there didn't bother me as much. It's it's Ginny's that that it's gets on my nerves. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing that scared the hell out of me. In Kuslova's shop, when Ginny got, I can't remember what it was. I think it was when the, um, was, was when the, uh, landscape, you know, decided to eat Ginny and suck all of her blood out of her body. I'm not sure if you recall that scene. There was the, there, I, yeah. I can't remember if that, it was around there where she's like, don't worry, they only kill virgins. And I stopped like, oh my god, she's, oh wait, never mind, this is Vic, she's not a virgin, thank god. Because for me, I thought she was a virgin, because in the last picture, oh my, oh my god, god, she's toast. Like, oh, it was funny, because like, ten seconds earlier was when Harry and Ginny had the flashback in the, in the woods, and you know, and, and they woke up smoking, but it was just like, Can I just say the whole, the whole, you will only have one child, thing that's so creepy because like you could just tell like that was not a good situation something bad was going to happen with this woman when she starts talking about harry and jenny having kids bad sign (laughs) well at least you'll live long enough to have the damn kids at least you'll make it through tonight but can i just say something the way she was written i didn't i didn't take it that way that jenny was okay that that because i was thinking the prediction is kind of like trelawney's predict i mean nothing ever really comes true the way it said so i didn't take that for certain well the thing with trelawney is you'd never think it but in retrospect she was always right (laughs) 
Oh, no. That, that, that was unfortunate. She was the smart... Her and Luna were the only two people who seemed to know what the hell was going on in that story. But um, the thing with... And I'm calling her Madame Couscous because I cannot for the love of me keep her, her name in my head for more than eight seconds. The way she was written, if you looked at her dialogue, she was grandma. But if you looked at her descriptions, you wanted to vomit. And yeah. I really liked just the symmetry of that scene that like every word out of her, ho- of her mouth for the very beginning up until the point where she threatens, to, you know, Ginny with death, you know, everything that she says is, you know, it, it, it could come across, you know, somewhat, not sympathetically, but somewhat as though, you know, th- this is somewhat of a reasonable person, but the descriptions so go against that. It was so fun to read it. It was just such a well-written scene. I just, I, I really wanted to comment on that. I just thought it was exceptionally well done. Um, that's all I have on that. And just feel free to take it anywhere. Jen, you want to talk about sex? Want to get into the chapters? Oh, hold on. One more thing I want to say is I try... Uh, no, uh, no, Jen, go, 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 go. No, I'm teasing you. Go. Jen? Let's talk about sex, baby. What? I'm talking. Talk is there anything you want? There is no sex in these chapters that we're doing tonight, though. The, the sex we were talking yeah. about, we were talking about because you weren't here, because you haven't read ahead. There was flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, there was flashbacks. There was flashbacks. I want to talk about, no, I think, um, I want to talk about, oh, crap, what's her name? The sexy... Spy. Okay, can we write Damn. these down, please? Because none of us. I know I cannot remember any of these names. Can someone? Okay. Can someone Thanks, post girl. them in in, a, in yes. the thing? Because I'm like, who? Oh. Is it evil? Yeah, when I right. first met her, I hated her because Jenny hated her. I didn't want to get to know her about her character because I hated her, and it's awful. Which I don't think you're supposed to hate her. I think we're actually supposed to like her. No, and- you're supposed to hate her in the beginning. It's okay to hate I think that's really good writing, though, to make us... I don't know if it was just because it's Jenny's defense, but I don't know. Well, my impression of the characters in the beginning is that Harry obviously (laughs) didn't sleep with this woman because he's Harry Potter and no author would have Harry Potter cheat on Jenny, who wants me to actually read their story and not get made fun of on an episode of the Potterfic Weekly. Although I have read one story where Ron, believe it or not, wait for it, Mike, had sex with Pansy Parkinson. But it's okay because it was a Ron Pansy ship. And the only reason it worked was Pansy was Well, that's, that's if you consider Ron Pansy ships all right. <laughs> well, no, in this one, it, it was okay because in this particular fic, Pansy Parkinson knocked on the door of the Gryffindor common room and, like, embraced the trio and said, and, no, this is her first appearance in the fic, by the way. I love you guys. I'm so sorry for the way. And she was their friend from that point onward. That was their entire coming together. She just knocked on the door. <laughs> But, and Ryan, Ron and Pansy had a very fulfilling relationship because, you know, Hermione obviously had to go and, and find her inner Neville, so it worked out fine. But, um, <laughs> oh my god, I read every damn word of the fic. I just want to tell you that. Every single word. <laughs> it's and, like it's 10 minutes you know of your what? life, you'll never get back. <laughs> no, no. It's like, no. Can I tell you, it's like a year and a half of my life I'll never get back. But in fairness to the author, the author seems to have improved greatly. I say this because the author is writing again. So I found that out the other day. He's like three chapters into a new story. So just leaving that right there. Um, does anyone remember what I was just saying before I went off on that rant? No, I'm going to be quite <laughs> We were talking about the sexy French tarts. Oh, you're yeah. not? Okay. You're not supposed... You know that Harry didn't have sex with her. And well, of course know- we do, because we believe in Harry, unlike Jenny, who is like, I don't know, the retard of the Harry Potter world. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 hey. 
Melissa. We've got like Melissa Leo sitting right over there. No, 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 no. That was embarrassing. But the thing is, is that I got the sense that she she was trying to portray herself, and I don't know why I thought this. She, I got the sense in the earlier chapters, she was trying to flaunt the fact, oh, look at me, I slept with Harry Potter, even though she didn't. She was trying to be a shell yeah. at Jenny's expense. But she's so, a skanko. <laughs> Are we allowed to say yeah. skanko on Butterfic Weekly? I don't know. Let's she check with the censors. Say, Can we we're allowed to say anything. But I think she's just an attention whore. But <laughs> Melinda, yeah, Melinda, I'll give ten points to Hufflepuff if you say Skanko right here on the podcast because we had such fun. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't do in this room. No, Come on. Not, no, no, we're not. We had you read porn on the podcast. We're fine. Right. Why don't I get points? For because Jenny says Skanko <laughs> on a daily basis. But um, <laughs> let, can we just jump into these? Because I really want to go chapter by chapter here. Um, I'm jumping in. Jump in. I'm jumping in now. Can I just say one thing? The fir- the thing that. Oh, by the way, can I just tell you? I just have to. <laughs> I have to stop for a moment. I have a very close friend named Megan, not Puffle Meg. I, I have another Megan. And, and I talk to Megan. We, we don't talk nearly as, not, uh, as much as I wish we did. We only talk like three or four times a year, and we're trying – our lives are crazy. She's getting married. I'm getting married, but we're talking more. So she calls me yesterday, and it's a real, really you know, long conversation. It's the only really long conversation I've had with her for a while. And she's like, oh, my God, Brian, I'm not going to lie. You're not going to believe what happened to me today. I'm like – you talk like Lady Chi. And she's like, who the hell is Lady Chi? I'm like, you've been saying I won't tell a lie for you. And I couldn't, when she started doing it, I'm like looking around the room, like, why does that sound so familiar? So apparently Chi, you know, makes me think of my childhood is the point I had there. I'm really stalling because I can't think of a word from the story and I don't want to ask anyone what it is. So I'm telling these stories while I look up the chapter so I can just figure that myself. So I just want to bring it up here. Okay. Now, can I just talk about the can? Is it the canticle? Canticle? Yeah, the canticle. The canticle. 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 We are no yes, longer. Big brother. Canticle? I'm joking. <laughs> Do you just say big brother? <laughs> yes. Well, it's, it's it, it, it like knows everything about everybody. So it, I don't know. It just kind of reminded me of the whole big brother type. I just have to say this too. Can we just say one thing about the canticle? I am hereby referring to it as Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, the thing in the Harry Potter world is you wonder so much why Harry doesn't go look up anything about his parents in seven years. There must be a book somewhere. Hermione has books on flatulence. But in his head, don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. Number one rule of a quiet life at the Dursleys. Don't ask questions. Melinda Leo, have you given this some conscious thought? <laughs> but you no, know, it's it, and I love it. Now, could you imagine if Harry had Wikipedia that whole time? How much faster the like we would have had like a two book series, three tops, if he had access to Wikipedia this whole time. I just thought it was so funny when he needs to look up something on um, when he needs to look up something on Aries, he, he immediately writes the name of the book. He's like born. 1972. Married. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny because, like, if that were in the series, it'd be Hermione, go to the library, find me a book on her. I liked the bit of foreshadowing, like, earlier where they said the canticle resembled Riddle's diary, and then a little bit later, all of a sudden, the book starts writing back. I thought that was kind of a neat little I thought that was really cool. Foreshadowing it's like, there, yeah. It was like bought at the same shop or something like that. It's like the same. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> That's it the came same. In- 
Two for three. Uh, and then yes. again, they, even though then they get that it's like Riddle's Diary, they still kept writing in the thing, so obviously they <laughs> haven't learned anything anyway. Yeah. I what know. That? The, uh, it must have been at the Horcrux Dollar Tree or something. <laughs> it's Jen says in our intro, these are really stupid people. I'm sorry. No, can I, okay, can I point this out? We we go. From, I'm jumping ahead. We go from the scene where Harry and Ginny are tied together in the chair, and they're trying to loosen the ropes so they can get out before they're tied to the railroad tracks. And I love the moment where Harry says, Ginny, stay here. And she's glaring. And she's staring like, she's like, Ginny, stay here, and like I Love Lucy, five minutes later, Ginny is hanging on to the drain pipe as they're shooting her. <laughs> as she's no, actually do. That happens a little later. That doesn't happen right at the beginning. Yeah. Well, that's... I like but I like that, that, that whole Harry, when Harry says, you know, to Ginny, just stay. That's kind of a little Freudian, I think, to the whole thing that's going on with them. I, I like that, actually. It's very tension-oriented, don't you think? I think... I like, I love the sexual tension. Like, I really thought he was going to grab her and kiss her. Didn't. He just shook her and, like, stared into her eyes really deeply. I was like, go, Harry, go. No, I think, but he, I think tension provoking is when Harry turns around and shoots Ron. That was tension provoking. <laughs> <laughs> and then Harry's response is, Ginny, don't look. Like, like, okay, think, quick. Whatever you do, don't let her see your dead brother on the ground. <laughs> So. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really didn't mean it. Oh, crap. <laughs> Good thing you missed. <laughs> I, we were just joking about this this morning. This is terrible. Oh, my God. But. I, I do want to talk about something that happens, like, right in Chapter 7, because I I, I think that there's a really poignant moment, you know, um, when it's right after Professor McGonagall offers Harry... The position at Hogwarts to be the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. This this like one paragraph is like so angsty it breaks my heart. It says um, after departing the headmistress's office, Harry slowly scuffed his way down the astronomy tower steps. The cool voice of reason berating his thoughts. What are you thinking? You're ridiculous to even consider Professor McGonagall's offer. You are an aura through and through. Your place has been and always will be deep within the heart of the fight. It has to be. By the time he reached the dungeons, he had dismissed the idea of teaching at his old school entirely. Such things were meant for another life, he told himself. Another life. Yeah, I just want to read something that came after in Chapter 9, when uh, Remus and Harry are talking about how um, Harry... Wait, wait, wait. Before you go ahead on that whole thing about Harry being a a teacher, I think there's a lot of of us fanfic readers that like to think that he needs a break from chasing that, but I really don't think he would be happy as a teacher. I think he gets a great sense of self and satisfaction from, from hunting dark wizards, even if it's tired, gets tired with it. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he'd always, it's, it's good for his self-esteem because he feels confident in what he's doing. I don't think with the teaching, I think he, he would still be, be nervous about what he was doing. I don't think he has the same sense of confidence that he has from, from being an aura. I think that that is where he belongs. I agree with I agree with Melinda. I mean, I, he's he's got this overwhelming sense to keep everyone around him safe. And I, I, if if he was a teacher, I just think that he would get so, you know, uh, paranoid about everything that it just wouldn't work. He, he's he's got to be out there making sure that he's keeping the world safe, or else he's not going to be happy. I can see him maybe going into teaching after he retires. You know. Well, I think that. McGonagall makes the best argument anyone could possibly make, and I want to quote it right here. 
Death Eaters is still a, ve- a very real threat, Professor. I can't leave until... Until what? Until every last Death Eater has disappeared off the face of the Earth? I'm sorry, Mr. Potter, but I fear that day will never come. Even if you were to remove them all, the very nature of wizarding kind would produce a new order. The very lure of dark magic is too strong and will remain ever thus. The only real way of combating evil is at the root of the cause, within the minds of the young. Children learn to emulate their heroes. An entire generation looks up to you, Mr. Potter. I mean, that is the argument. If... What is Harry truly seeking? Is Harry seeking to make the world the best and safe possible place it can be for, for, for Ginny and for, you know, he doesn't believe he'll have them, but his kids and, and the Weasleys and Ron and Hermione and their kids? How does he accomplish that? Is perhaps the way he's accomplishing it not the best way to do it? I believe that Harry just needs to feel like he's making a very significant difference. And if someone says, hey, I know you're making a big difference now, but can I suggest this may be a way to make an even bigger difference? I think he'd be receptive to that. But I think the issue itself isn't for Harry, you know, how can I make the biggest difference in the world? The issue for him is the issue of choice. And I just want to read that thing from Chapter 9, when he's discussing um, with Remus Charlie um, dying and how he was there. Remus says, Charlie died honorably. None of the Weasleys blame you. He's used to all Ginny. Ron himself has gone on with his life. He loved his brother, but he's embraced life, not death. The choice is yours, Harry. No, it isn't. Everything has always been chosen for me. My whole life, everything has been laid down for me. Voldemort, the prophecy, what choice have I ever had? The only thing I want, the only life I want, I'll never have. Azkaban dreams, Remus. That's what I get. Nothing more. A second of bliss, and then you wake up to a stone-cold reality that you'll never be allowed to be happy in this life. The sooner you accept it, the better. And now everyone wants me to teach here, and there are still Death Eaters out there. They are still killing people, innocent people. I can't. Do you understand? I'll be damned before I get every last one of them. Because that is my choice. I'm making that choice, not anyone else. Happiness isn't a luxury I can afford. They're back, they're back, and they're after her. The person who means more than anything to me, the person I'm fighting to protect, who can't stand to be near me. I'm not hiding, Remus. I'm keeping a lid on a cauldron ready to explode. For Harry, it's choice. I think that... I don't know if he believes McGonagall may be right. I think that she's right. I think after the immediate... Like, if this thing weren't happening right now with, with, with the Coven of Echoes and with Ginny, I think Harry might have taken the offer. But I think he feels like he has no control over his life. And when you don't feel like you have control in any situation, I think you overreact in others. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I will I will give personal testimony to that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I can give you that, but I still... In my gut, I don't think being a teacher is what would make him happy. I, I don't think it's so much just catching the dark wizards that does that. It's the it, it's the excitement of the chase, even yeah, that's, that's just right. ingrained of who he is. Ah, yeah, I don't get very restless and miserable behind a desk day after day. Plus, I really do. I don't think he. I mean, well, I don't know because he had the DA. I mean, I don't know. Well, which I he enjoyed. The DA he had which he which he was definitely teaching other students, but it was. It was to get, he did it out of the classroom. Well, and he how, didn't, well, but, it was yeah. no other freedoms that he had. He was taken away from Quidditch and everything. He had, he did that and he enjoyed it, but it was because he had nothing else. But going into Deathly Hallows, the two, the two professions everyone assumed for Harry were Aurora and Quidditch player. Or because it's what he has been trained to do and what brings him joy, you know, and what makes him feel as though he's contributing. And Quidditch player, because he's done his bit for King and Country, he's defeated Voldemort, you know, and the, and the, the rest of the cleanup is up to someone else. He's going to play Quidditch. I mean, I think that the issue with Harry, I, I never really saw him as someone who just loved, like, he's not Captain Kirk. I never saw him as someone who, you know, needs to be out there, needs to be, uh, you know, in, in, in the center of things and is restless behind a desk. 
I think he needs to feel like he completed the job. I don't think he can justify for himself sitting behind a desk while Ginny's in danger. But if the Coven thing never happened and they found Lucius Malfoy and Draco was dead and, and they rounded up all the Death Eaters and, and you, it's times of peace and tranquility, I think he would rather be at Hogwarts training the next generation than be behind a desk, you know, catching jaywalkers, if that makes any sense. I mean, I think it's, at this point, I think it's a bad solution for him to be at Hogwarts, but I think that he is, he feels like he has no, he's lost everything. He he lost Ginny, he doesn't know why. He feels like he lost Ginny because he's Harry Potter. He doesn't know about why Ginny left, and I think he is just very frustrated, and I think that that's it. I think that he, he is just clinging to anything he has control over. I don't know. I really got the, the I don't know, if there wasn't the backstory, I would have really thought that these characters really hated each other. Uh, I don't know. Harry Did y'all ever get that? I mean, they, they, they really didn't have anything to do with each other. Um, well, and, yet I know, they were, uh, and yet they were in each other's thoughts constantly. I don't know. I, it was around this point in the story that I stopped rooting for them so much, though. I wasn't think, yeah. cheering for them to get together. I don't know. Maybe it was. I can't know so how much. they would get together. I, I yeah. Maybe I'll be disappointed. Yeah. I'm, I'm under the impression at this point in the story that they're both being fooled. Well, they, I would, they are. Harry huh? really broke my heart, especially in this chapter nine one with, when he was talking to Remus. I was really, really feeling it for Harry there. Yes. Yeah. I liked this chapter. And then Ron with his foot and his mouth disease. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> That, that was what I was referring to earlier in the podcast when I said, you know, there's some scenes that could come right out of Deathly Hallows. I think that one of the things that surprised a lot of fans about Deathly Hallows is how issues that could have been very complex were very... They're presented very oversimplified by Joe Rowling. It was a big deal that Harry couldn't cast Cruciatus Curse on Bellatrix the Strange after she killed Sirius Black. That was a big deal that Harry still couldn't do it then. So it made no sense at all that Harry could cast the Cruciatus Curse because of Death either spit in Minerva McGonagall's face. That that didn't make sense. That seemed like bad fanfic. That that didn't that didn't make sense to me. So well, I mean, you can make the point that that at this point, Harry has a, you know if we're going to talk about Deathly Hallows, which we talk about Deathly Hallows a lot when we talk about fanfiction, but um, I I think you know the the thing with Deathly Hallows is that. Harry's journey is so, I mean, he's so hopeless at that point. You know, at that point in the story, when he's in Hogwarts, he kind of has, well, the whole book, he's resigned himself to die, but he really knows, you know, that, I mean, there's just no hope left. So I can kind of, I could kind of see maybe how, where he was going to be able to do that. But, um, but, and, and then again, he also has two more years of, of, of training and teaching and I I, know, like, I, I, I think like, I think maybe he w- he was 15 when Sirius died he was 17 when he cast the Cruciatus Curse on Bellatrix the Strange so no it wasn't Bellatrix it was um it was, or, uh, what's his name Carol 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 yeah the thing was I love the way Whimsy says it I think she says it much better than Joe Rowling does is that with the Cruciatus Curse, it's not about hopelessness. It's about it's about anger. You have to be the type of person that wants another person to suffer horribly. And it's not about, you know, I'm really, really mad today, and it's not like I lost control today, and I reached that level of anger. The way Whimsy describes it, which is kind of the, the, the school of thought I belong to, is that you really have to mean it. You really have to be the type of person that, that wants another person to just suffer 
horribly. And uh, vindictive pleasure out of it, yes. Right. And and the point here is that Harry was able to do Avada Kedavra on Voldemort. And now think about this. This is Voldemort. This is the, the person who murdered his parents. This is the person who led to the death of Dumbledore, who is who who led in part to the death of of, of Sirius, who led to Harry's suffering, who led to the, de- the death of Cedric Diggory, who led to, you know, to all that suffering in the graveyard. This is, this is Voldemort. I mean, you know, he may be a really dorky villain, but look at the pain and suffering, you know, he's caused to Harry. You know, Harry feels guilty having killed him. And Harry believes himself to be a murderer, not because of who Voldemort was, but because of what it says about Harry that he could do it. The curse had to mean something, and I felt like in canon at the end, it really it didn't mean that much anymore, which was unfortunate. But I really love what it says here. There's Ron with his foot and mouth disease. You know the fact that you know the fact that Arid could kill someone. It means something. It, you know I, what was Ron's line when it's the line he said. You know if you're someone who can do the Avada what was his line? Do you remember? He, king, the king. Anyone who can do, you, you can never be sure what they're going to do, or something, something along those lines. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's um, in the lot, you know, in in chapter nine, you know, Ron is going back and forth with Tonks for not sharing the information that Arid has, you know, killed his former partner, which is usually a bad sign if you're his current partner. Um, I always thought he was dangerous. If you remember, I'm the reason he's in the hospital right now, says Harry. But he killed someone, Ron shouted to Harry. Don't you understand he's capable of performing that curse that makes him a monster in my book? Then what am I? I mean, that's... Yeah. yeah could you, could you just, does that make your spine tingle when that happens? You're like, that um, Ron, this is like saying to the paraplegic, do you know what it's like to have a bad day? Like, come on. Like, think before you speak. <laughs> but, I mean, that... That's the thing. I mean, what does it say about? I mean, this our Harry got to say Expelliarmus. This Harry had to kill. I mean, I love exactly. I love the Sorry. fact that Harry can't live with that. I love how you said our Harry. <laughs> our Harry. You our Harry. Harry. Fine. You live I don't know, like, I like twenty-seven feet from me. <laughs> like if I back out my driveway, I'm gonna hit Melinda. Then if I pull forward to get out of the way, I'm gonna run over PS. Like everyone is surrounding me. I'm feeling very claustrophobic. But so you talk like me. Aww. But I mean that that I I thought that was just such a great scene between the two characters because I love that. I love the fact that Harry can't live with them. Because Harry, I mean, you know, in in in, in Deathly Hallows, he's walking around, you know, shooting people left and right. I mean, that seems a little over the top, but I, I love the fact that he couldn't live with killing Voldemort, and I just love that he's still dealing. Who did he? Who was he killing left and right with Deathly oh, Hallows? Yeah. Well, well, what were they? What was Pia saying? Hermione like turned to Death Eater to stone after they killed Fred. Harry, Harry, they were imperying everyone. They they did the Imperius curse on like everyone in sight. What was it? Harry Crucio one? The Imperius, the Crucio, the Crucio bothered me. The Imperius didn't. I could, I could live with the Imperius. <laughs> like the, the, well, the, the, Imper- <laughs> the you're right, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I'm imagining. Sorry, I had like a mental picture in my head. <laughs> Melinda Imperio. <laughs> She's like, I'm all right with it. <laughs> <laughs> the Imperius curse was really overdone. 
really overdone in Deathly Hallows. Like, think of it. Like, they're at the, they're at the kitchen table at Gribble Place. I don't think Imperio was overdone. It was really overdone. Ron and Harry are no, sitting at the table. No, was no, overdone. Ron and Harry are sitting at the kitchen table at Gribble Place. Well, still, I'm still busy. And, and Hermione it pours herself a cup of coffee and walks back to the table and sits down. And Ron says, oh, Hermione, could you go get me a cup of coffee? No, Ronald, get it yourself. Imperio. And then she walks over and gets the cup of coffee. <laughs> I mean, they really overdid the Imperio script. I'm sorry. I missed that chapter, and I missed the one where Harry was going around killing everybody, too. Where did that happen? It's in there, Melinda. Read it again. It's He's in there. He's dark, Melinda. It's not in there. <laughs> you have to murder people to get that angsty. <laughs> no, I'm, I may be thinking of Harry from Nightmare of Future's Past, where he kills 47 people in the span of two and a half minutes. <laughs> And he finds different ways to do it. Like, you see him, like, in that Star Trek episode where he's building a weapon out of rudimentary oh, devices God. in the woods and blows the guy up. He builds a cannon and, like, blows one. Like, it was, he was really he was really disturbed in, in, in portions of nightmares. All right, but we're, we're I, I feel as though we're getting off track. I'm, like, getting... I can hear Danger Will Robinson in the background. Um, let's get back to... What's <laughs> that? Um, I, I believe it was the co- I believe it was the Covenant Echoes. All right, let's talk about about dear 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 Mark Aritz, who is just a fabulous human being. I love him very much. He, Bastard. He, well, I actually liked. It. Well, you know what it was when Ginny goes on this like hell's mission into Madame Couscous's you know shop of horrors. Comes back with she thinking with that anyway. Yeah, when she's inside the book, like okay, you get three. Okay, you're you're giving her now. What was the thing she needed to get? Because we didn't put the name of that thing out. Mundu. Mundu. Like M U N D U. No, M O M O O N. But the one of the big things that always bothered me about this whole section is what part of Madame Kuslova did you find trustworthy? Anything was there anything in there that would make you think that this drug she's giving you is safe to give to a child that that, that bugged the heck out of me. Well the thing well, no one was Jenny, I know. Jenny, you don't even know what it is and you're just gonna give it to this little kid. Here's the thing about Jenny. Jenny's well, no, a, she Jenny's a really stupid person. Like I'm sorry. Well the kid is dying. We have the kid is dying anyway. No, I mean, what's she's going to do? Kill her? Like, like someone's spiking her pumpkin juice. Like, something's not quite, something's qu- not quite oh, yeah, right but, with her. Like, but when you... But if you're a, a killer, you still okay, need to Okay, wait a minute. Yeah. We've got this moon dew. Let's at least test it a little bit or run some te- something before you just no, trust... Put ourselves in Ginny's and, and mindset. And just give it to the kid. Now, put yourself in Ginny's mindset. Now, she's having a bit of a day, okay? Ginny's having a bit of a day. She just... As, now, pretend you go home at the end of a very bad day, all right? And your boss yelled at you at work. So you're you're in a bit of a bad day. So you, so you got Taco Bell on the way home, and you have a bottle of Kool-Aid, and you come home, and, and, you're, and you're ready to just have an enjoyable evening, and your roommate mentions, by the way, I don't know how to tell you this. I've been sitting on this for a while. I hope it doesn't make a difference. I'm an Al-Qaeda terrorist. Is that, is that a big deal? Is that okay? <laughs> so now you're like, oh, oh, God. Um, crap, we signed a lease. Oh. Um, and then, so now you're thrown off your game. So now you're going to Madame Couscous's shop of horrors. Now, <laughs> Actually, signing a lease doesn't mean all that much. You can still get kicked off. Okay, she ha- in place of the cheese plumbing hour this week, we're going to talk a little bit about real estate law after the podcast. Please stick around. And, <laughs> and when you... Yeah, don't don't ask she where she's living. She's on a park bench right now. Okay, so, <laughs> so 
so you just found out, you know, your your you know your boyfriend slept with with the supermodel, and your boss yelled at you, and you're in your in your rooming with Osama bin Laden, and you're having an awful day. Now you go to the Madame Cuscus's shop of horrors, and you need the you know the the rarest of the rarest of the rarest. You know, draw. You have no money, so you go, you go in there with no money. You have no credit cards of any kind, and you go into the shop of horrors, and and you're apparently asking for the layaway plan because you have no way of paying for this thing. And they say, okay, you need to do three things. For, now, now, you know, the person with 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 the with the with the one leg and he's wearing the bulletproof vest, and you know, the really skeevy guy behind the counter says, okay, you just need to do three things for me. Number one, would you mind signing my guest book? <laughs> look for fine print when you do that. Like, but Ginny's like, okay. So Ginny signs the guest book. See, she's the Hogwarts genius. <laughs> and now, now, so her, the second thing is, you know, the man-eating plant, you know, consumes half of her blood. She apparently becomes a blood. She, well, you give some blood, you know, here's some orange juice. And now, now she's like, okay, this seems a little weird. But she's just like, a little she really didn't need that much of it. But then she's like, but I can't go because I've come, because, because I've come so far. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. If the third thing is I need to blow your brains out, it doesn't matter how far you've already come. Like, you don't buy... That is pretty hefty for this stuff that you don't even know what it is. Don't buy into the premise of the question. The premise you're being offered is you will live to tell the tale and lead a relatively meaningful life. Don't accept that. They may want to blow your brains out before you leave. So I just thought that her, um, I just thought that her, her thought process was a bit skewed. I thought, mm. she, yeah, skewed. I thought her, pro, her thought process was a little bit skewed. She didn't necessarily think that through. Yeah. And you know, I, part of that she was... She was desperate. Yeah. Part of that was her and part of that was Aries, you know, or a Reds or however you say it. <laughs> Aries. <but laughs> <laughs> <Aries. laughs> Oh, MC, let us know. <laughs> Let, let's query scholastic.com, shall we? Rubeus. <laughs> Canut. So, okay. So. I mean, I went through. So, okay. In chapter. Where are we starting in this? Let's start at specific places and keep going. Harry got sucked into the thought. Wikipedia. And I can I just tell you, I listened to this on my iPod, and it, it found such an amusing way of Harry. I'm like, is it? It reminded me of like Prince Caspian when they get sucked into the Dawn Treader. I'm like, what is going well, on? He got sucked into a book once before. It really wasn't a new new deal for him. He just kind of went with it. But it must be awkward being the other dude in the room. Well, no, he didn't get sucked into the book. Because didn't Ron say, like, he was, like, flopping around and then he, like, fell over? Yeah, this all took place in his head. (laughs) That must have been great from Ron's perspective. Oh, my God, Harry had epilepsy? I never knew this. This explains so much. (laughs) 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 It's a very special... with a pin and it's like this happens all the time <laughs> hold his tongue out of his mouth they're shooting at the death just, eaters in the back I thought it was the scar and Goyle and Goyle is anorexic and has to slugs <laughs> oh my gosh oh my god oh that was 
Yes, Will, that was beautiful. I'm crying. <laughs> and I want to say this, too. One of the things I love about the story so far <laughs> is that Whimsy, like, if you look at her plots on paper, you think to yourself, this is the cheesiest thing I could ever picture. It works yeah, try so explaining the story. well. Yeah, exactly. Like, try and explain the story. Okay, hey, Ginny is dangling from the drain pipe. Reaching, <laughs> reaching, like, it's like an I Love Lucy episode. Reaching for the thing that she just, you know, got her blood sucked out to get. Like, it's this ridiculous concept. But the, the thing that doesn't seem like it would work well, which does very well, is, you know, Harry went off to be trained by the monks. And yeah. it, it, it reminds me of, you know, like, right. yeah, it's like what we always uh, say. Yeah. It, it's like, you know, Harry decided that he's going to teach all of the Gryffindors to run track in the morning. And then, you know, Dumbledore looks out his window, and there goes the seventh years, all in their, you know, Hogwarts gym shorts, which, you know, he didn't think... Was cool. <laughs> he didn't think that he oh, my God. Have you seen Juno? Have you no, seen Juno? No, I haven't. Don't I just saw that movie today. That was an awesome movie. Yeah, I sure should, have your shorts are unusually it. bright today. Thanks. Yeah. My mom uses but no, I think it was unusually gold. <laughs> Go Carol. <laughs> well, can yeah. you imagine Dumbledore looking out his window, then grabbing his phone, saying, Get me the school store. How long have we been carrying shorts? Then he gets down and he gets one of those windows with the cranks that you have to crank the window open, and all you hear is Harry, da 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 He's like, this is... But, like, like, there's parts of the storyline that sometimes... they. The, the, Parts of the story don't seem like they're going to work, and Harry being trained by with a you know the monk for three months and taught him things about honor and this werewolf. Yeah, well, no, I had a bad feeling going into the monk thing. Like I, I didn't know how well. Yeah, in, into the monkness, I wasn't sure how that was really going to work. <laughs> it worked real. Like he's a real. Yeah, I liked fathering. He's yeah. he's like a really kick-ass monk. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. what like that's yeah, what you look for. When, when I look for a monk, I look for someone like him. But okay, how cool was the bar thing where they put their hand? You get, I was like Star Trek. Yes. The what thing? You know they, they put their hand. <laughs> what? Like the bar? They put their hand on it, and whatever they wanted appeared. Oh, it was like Back to the Future when they're at the bar. No, well, I was actually about? thinking Hook. You know when they're all the little lost boys are eating. You know. And oh, and the fade just appears. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's whatever you most want. And I was like, "Dude, I need that at my house. I hate cooking." <laughs> well, the, the problem is Jen doesn't know what she wants, and she's hoping the replicator will fix it. I know. <laughs> It'll just tell her. <laughs> what do I I'm want? Cool. Jen's the only person I know who eats. How's that tornado, by the way, Jen? Yeah, Jen, are you alive? I guess it's gone. Yeah, I'm fine. Jen, Good. Jen. haven't heard any more sirens, so. Jen's eating like tacos, Chinese food, and, and and ice cream right now. I don't know what I want, but <laughs> but he's like a, now. Here's the thing. Now Harry does. You know, as Whimsy says, she doesn't like flashbacks unless they involve sex, and of course, Jen doesn't like anything unless it involves sex. But you know, she. That- she, she does the flashback <laughs> to Harry's first, you know, meeting of... It must of, have been a tough thing for you, Jen. There was no leather, though. Uh, man, you have no idea. Harry could have been wearing leather. 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 That was agonized me. over that fact. Thank yeah. you for well, me. Well, <laughs> Harry could have been wearing leather, though. You have to... This I know. Of, you can picture Harry in leather in this one, easy. Don't, don't, okay. don't yeah. me the most 
wearing leather here. Well, okay. don't Harry and Ron seem like they went to prep school in this? They're, like, wearing their, like, khakis with their button-down shirts. I don't know. They they seem like they... Really? No, I got that he would... Like, didn't, don't they say that he's in black at, at one point? That Harry's wearing black? No, they, he's wearing jeans and, like, a polo shirt at one point. And, oh, well... And, but I picture the polo shirt as being black. Well, Harry... Well, Jen pictures yeah. wearing leather underwear anyway, so you uh, should... Yeah. That, when, when Tam's in touch, they're like, don't I just ironed this shirt? Yes. <laughs> you could tell... Yeah, that, I was picturing Harry, like, Lady Chi in that scene in the Great Hall, where she comes over and starts, like, massaging his chest, and Harry's like, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Would you mind betting <laughs> away from me? You know what bothered me is in this chapter where... I know this. We're, I'm skipping around, oh, but where the gypsy, where the chi girl is like, you will only bear one child. <laughs> I'd be like, how do you freaking know that? Like, <laughs> why not? Why not more than one? I'm like, you will only bear. And she's like, who will be the father? Can you back up to the point, if at all possible, where you said I'm going to yeah. be, end up with my ex boyfriend, the cheater? <laughs> Could you back up? I know. Can you be any more unhelpful? Thank you. <laughs> so let me go and dump the first guy I meet, so I can have my bearing of the one child. What did everyone think That's about? So the, what did everyone think of the very end of chapter fourteen, where Ginny says, "Okay, Harry, you can read my mind, but you have to stop when I say stop." And Harry wouldn't stop, and Ginny said, "Stop!" And it was like the date rape episode of Saved by the Bell. Like, but the gypsy just... said one, only one, Harry. <laughs> it was like a no that, more. I thought that was like awful. That was like when a girl says no, she means no. You have to stop when she says stop. And Harry, <laughs> Harry's well, like, you know, sometimes it's like my mom told me, you know. Sometimes guys have trouble stopping, so you need to get it early. <laughs> I don't know. Melinda, you're a mother of three. What did you think of that scene? <laughs> well, <laughs> I-, I can separate sex and occlumency, actually. <laughs> I want to thank you for naming tonight's episode, I mean- Melinda. Please continue with your point. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but it's been a year. He doesn't know why she took off. I can understand why he's a little frustrated. If you're not going to tell me, I'm just going to figure it out for myself. You know, finally, at least he's doing something. Yeah, he's off his, yeah. As Julia would say, he finally got off his toothless nail. It, it was just like, it had a be- it had negative, like, I couldn't help but pick up on the sexual connotation of that. It's like, Harry, I said, stop, stop. And it's like, I'm almost done a little bit further. I'm like, this is not going to he was like, I was like, oh my god. Now I'm starting to think, maybe he did sleep with the slut. Like, now I'm getting all kinds of ideas in my head. Like, oh my god. There was some connotation. Oh, I can't be the only one thinking of this. Come on, someone else. Someone. No, I had that thought. It's oh hilarious that. It's hilarious. It's like, well, you know what it was? It was the, like, like it was the stupidest. Thing Ginny could have said, and I just want to point out here. I I, lo- I think Whimsy's doing a fabulous job. This is like when we're we're we're, we're screaming about Molly Weasley for being an awful mother. We're not attacking the writing. We're just dying the know, woman. It's like, okay, okay. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal. You need your ex boyfriend to read your mind, and I lo- and it, it felt a little forced in the setup. But who cares? It was we're only we're the only three people in the world who can do this. Ron, can you do it? Nope, I failed that course. Okay, it's between me and you. I'll do it. And all of a sudden, it's your ex boyfriend is the only person in the world who can read your mind to to you know pick up you know like we can't like my thought was is it possible that you could use a pensive maybe. 
But you know what? Let's not think too hard about this, because maybe the pensives are all down tonight. There's a power failure in the pensive. So we we need Harry to read your mind. And, and if you do it, I'll save the girl's life. Oh, crap. Now I have to. Do. Okay, we'll do it. But Harry, whatever you do, there's something in my mind. Happens later. It's not important at all. It doesn't involve you at all. Nope, not you, Harry. Not you at all. Nothing to do with you. There's something in my mind that won't become important until Chapter 16, and I'd really appreciate it if you'd just leave it alone until that time. It's kind of like the whole pensive seed in Order of the Phoenix, where you you know Snape's got these three memories. These are the can't see. I'm going to take them out of my head. But now I'm going to just leave you in a room in here and I, and leave the room. And he, he has the pensive sitting there. Of course, he's going to look. It's like, like well, well, yeah, but at, but at least at least Snape didn't say don't look at this because everybody no, knows that the first no, thing is say when you say don't look at this means that. The person will look at that it. you got to look at it. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, that, that's what I mean. It's, it carries character. That's just, I think it made sense that he did that. I really hope, I sincerely hope that Chapter 15 deals a lot with Harry violating Ginny's personal space. Because that was really bad. Like, I'm, she was, like, waiting on them to stop. Like, that wasn't like you go into your girlfriend's room to drop off the thing and, oh, look, her diary. I'll just put it on the desk and, oh, God, no, I can't. I should I shouldn't, I shouldn't, oh, God. and then you read, like, a line of it, and you feel guilty, and then you get caught, and it's just, and the, the Saved by the Bell full house music comes on in the background, and you've learned a lot. <laughs> this is like Harry, like, this is like, this is like, you know, you need to call a police officer. Like, he is a police officer. <laughs> like, that, that disturbs <laughs> just me. Just keep waiting, Ryan. Oh, God. I'm going to read, I have to go, I have to read more. I just want to point this out, too. I don't want to, for a moment, let the Puffwanians think that I am any way prepared for tonight's podcast. I read these chapters, I know everything that happens, but I can't remember anyone's names. (laughs) So she is typing me, like, you know, coven for dummies, Cliff notes. (laughs) I could write a guide. I've I've been answering questions all week. I don't get it. Ugh. What is the ch- the C E C I E O C I T O? What was that again? Type it out for me, because oh. I don't. I no, it's, it's not. that woman. Well, yeah. you need to type it out for me, and then I can tell you what I'm it typing, is. It is friend- huh? Every time I read it, I got hung up on it, and I was like, Jesus. "Where did she say that?" I before E, except after C. I before E, except this is C I E O. Well, it's French. <laughs> like, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't come with the same rules. Um, it, that's not French that I know. No, it's not French that I know, and I speak yeah, I thought fairly it was decent French. <laughs> Call Karen. This is like the most eventful podcast. Someone sold Dan's phone, Jen's school, and childhood home were destroyed. <laughs> and like, Melinda and I are like, when when we have dinner next month, would you like to go to Not Your Average Joe's? They've got great drinks there. <laughs> I'll drive. I, no, can I just tell you, Melinda? What did you I, just say? Did you just say they have good drinks there? They do, Melinda. You know, maybe I'll drive, and maybe you can like sleep on my lawn when we get back or something. Sure, maybe, I'm going to drive all the way up to New Hampshire and have good drinks. That might not be the greatest idea. <laughs> Between uh, you and Tina, I know what happens when you and Tina sit down. You know what, Melinda? I have a Corolla. What? I'll drive you and Leo. How's that? Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to Perfect Weekly, everyone. Melinda Leo is inebriated and she's spending the night in my guest room because she can't get home. <laughs> I kidnapped her. It's like last week. Let's sneak in on her at three o'clock, at three o'clock in the morning before she's had her coffee to ask her about missing moments 
from Harry Potter and the Power of Emotion. <laughs> uh, oh, God, that'd be, that'd be hilarious. Okay. Oh, uh, everyone votes <laughs> POE. Woo! I am, okay. actually, I am actually throwing my full support behind POE for the upcoming round. Yay! I love you. Woohoo! I am, I am throwing my whole weight against one particular fic. <laughs> no, I would I I would vote for that one over this other one. This, any a, day. this one fic that, that that she sent me a message saying, and for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, we allow the the Parfic Weekly members on the Puffle forums to um to, to choose some of the fics that we cover on the podcast. They chose this fic actually. Um, she recommended it, but they they supported it and they asked us to cover this fic. God knows why, but they asked us to cover this fic. And we're picking our eleventh fic for the podcast. We're going to cover it she, in late summer. Me, me and, and she sent me a message saying, "You have so much bureaucracy in the forum, and you give everyone a say. How can we take over the process and stack the vote so we don't have to cover this particular fic?" I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> let's do let's do a little disclaimer here. When I said God knows why, <laughs> we're talking I can't, about another fic. <laughs> I can't imagine why the fans of a very well written, very popular fic would want bozos like us to talk about it for 12 hours. That was what I was referring to. I'm actually glad that we chose the fic because I'm enjoying it very much. That is why I'm at. Why don't we get back to the fic tonight before Jen gets blown away. So we have two more weeks on this fic. What I think we should do now is let's just each of us grab our favorite major point that maybe we haven't talked about yet and then we'll close down shop for tonight and then we'll come back next week with hopefully a more secure T1 line and we'll, and we'll get the job done. <laughs> so why does... Oh, crap. There's Tornado warning. <laughs> what the hell are the odds of that? Do you, do you hear it? It's finally going off. <laughs> Maybe I should take cover. <laughs> Can you take cover, please? Dan, why don't you go first? Uh, well, we kind of cover, cover my favorite part. Uh, I, I've got to say, like Ryan, I really, really like the, uh, the monk parts of the, uh, of this fic. It, it doesn't seem like it's going to fit in at first, but, Somehow, somehow she weaves it seamlessly into the rest of the story, and it just makes a lot of sense in the context. Yeah, it's it's the training that that Harry never gets in the canon that he was actually trained by someone, you know. And I I like the fact that there's you know some type of 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 you know number one religious overtones to it because you never get that really in the canon up until the last book, but. I like the fact that there's someone saying, you're not asking the right questions. Why are you doing this? What is the purpose of this? Ask questions. Don't buy into the premise. And this is someone who teaches him both philosophy and about himself, but also teaches him some apparently really kick-ass spells that allow you to, you know, look behind dumpsters and, and all other sorts of useful things in the wizarding world. But one thing I really enjoyed about the monk is when he is referred to by the coven members, they refer to him and they refer to Albus, which makes me wonder if Dumbledore was ever at one point a member of the Coven of Echoes. I have no idea if that's going anywhere, but that was one thing that jumped out at me. And Dumbledore was part of the Coven of Echoes, and then he he gave up his his membership of it. So, yeah. It's kind of like the NRA, yep. really. The clue thing that the, that the monk had said at one point, who, the one who's trying to protect something or the one who's trying to store, to destroy it, who's the bad guy, and Harry automatically assume, assumes the one that's protects. And he's like, you know, it's not always what it appears. And I think it's, that was the first hint that we had that Dumbledore and the monk were actually trying to destroy something. Yeah, oh. so, see, what I, one of the things I really liked about the monk, too, uh, too is that it's, no, we never got in canon. Like, uh, Dumbledore kind of left Harry extremely ill-prepared for everything. I mean, while, while he did work out his way to 
influence book seven. Uh, Harry didn't, Harry never kind of felt until the very end like he knew what he was doing. In, in this way, it's, it gives him what he didn't have in the can. It's one of the things Yeah, he actually reminds me, Melinda, of a character that you had in Power of Emotion. The, um, I forget his name, the trainer that was brought in. Jonathan. Jonathan, who was brought in to, to teach Harry both about himself and about, and about the craft that he needs to hone. I mean, I thought, I think that's a tremendously important thing. And I think that Harry needs something like that. Harry needs perspective. He needs to be able to step back and just think about things. And I think that's enormously important. Hang on a second. We've lost Jen. Do we know that? Yeah. yeah I'm trying to get her back. She probably needed to get in the so, shelter. So My favorite part of the this scene, we already talked about it, was the scene with Remus. But I also like there was a scene with Tamsin and Harry that I like the way she wrote the scene because it was all done sort of smoke and mirrors that that you were led to believe that, that it was honest Harry and Tamsin talking as if they really had the affair, but they were really talking about, if you paid attention to the conversation, it was like they were talking about two separate, complete things. Like Harry was trying to talk to Harry, but Harry's thoughts were on Ginny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the way it was set up was designed just to confuse the reader into thinking that something more was going on between them. But I, I thought it was very cleverly done. I liked that scene. Yeah, and I love the fact that it's kind of like the conversation we were having during After the End. If people would just talk to each other for two minutes, they could probably iron out all of these problems. But these are these are people who don't talk to each other. So as a result, you have a year go by, and you have a lot of bad emotions, and you have a lot of misconceptions. Um, and just another scene I want to comment on is the uh, scene with Harry battling the werewolves, which reminded me also of the scene from Nightmare of Futures Past where Harry murdered 30 people in cold blood in 30 seconds. Um, I thought that he, he handles his own very well against a horde of werewolves. Uh, the one thing I thought was classic Harry Potter is when Hagrid says, whatever you do, do not step out from the circles, and you're surrounded by werewolves, and they're outside the circles, and they're not coming towards you. You may think to yourself, Harry, perhaps the circles are in some way beneficial. Why don't I try stepping outside the circles and see what happens? You almost get bit by the damn werewolves, you moron. Stay within the circles. But, of course, don't, don't press the red button, Bart. Okay. I mean, it's like the same... Yeah. I thought but that. that's Harry saying thing. Don't look at this memory. And of course he's going to do it. It's just him acting like Harry. Harry Potter yeah. date rapist. Is, <laughs> no. Is, poor Melinda. Poor Melinda. She tries so hard. Is um, arid. And, you know, in the beginning I thought he was very one-dimensional. And I still think he's an ass. I think he thinks he's an ass. I think he's a lot more complicated than he was before. But I do appreciate the fact that after, you know, Jimmy went to, you know, Madame Couscous's Shop of Horrors... And, you know, went through, you know, all of these incredibly dangerous, you know, steps to try and save this little girl's life when her, when, um, Vernon is, what's the boss, what's the doctor's name? Is it Vernon? Viridian. Ver- is it Viridian? Ver- no. Verdon. No, it's not Viridian, but that's what always reminded me of. Verdon or something Verdon. like that. Gee, what is it? V-I-R-E-E-N, Verdon. And when Verdon, you know, chastises her and, and, and you know, and, and, and really disciplines her for it, you know, Arid's response. rightly so. I was so happy that he did. She did your damn job. And it makes you think that even though he's an ass, he has a code of justice. And what I appreciated about it is while she was, you know, opening her heart to the unconscious girl and while, you know, while he was completely ripping her, you know, up one, up one side and down the other about not doing her job and being incompetent and, you know, anyone else could have saved this girl but you. I appreciated that she was having the same doubts about herself, and I think she would have had the same doubts whether or not he said that. 
So it's not like he's coming completely from left field. He's being an ass, but she can at least acknowledge but, but hold on, Ryan. Do you think, do you think the only reason he said she was doing his job is because he, he thinks that truly, or do you think there's something more going on with him at this point? I this is where I begin to suspect something else with him. I, that I, I don't want to say what it is because it comes right, right later on. No, I do suspect there's more to him because I could have sworn his name came up in the coven when they were talking about... I could have sworn his name came up in there. Maybe it was just a name that looked like his, but that I was glancing through it, you know, doing a reread, and I could have sworn that someone mentioned his name there. So I'm suspecting he's connected to the coven. Although, maybe I'm going to be proved wrong, I took it that when he said she was doing her damn job, I took it that was genuine. I, I believe that he thought that she was doing her job, and maybe I'll be proven wrong in that, I don't know. But I think it was... I also want to just say, I think it was classic angst when things are going relatively well for Harry and Ginny, that, you know, his, his little French girlfriend or so, Ginny, thinks pops in, and all of a sudden, you know, her world is shattered again. So she takes Herod home with her as her bodyguard. I, I thought that scene was kind of, it was kind of corny, but it was, it was good. You'll have to choose one of us as your bodyguard. Well, come on, Tonks, just appoint someone. That's your job. But I thought that was that was a kind of cool scene, too. So I, I really enjoyed these chapters. I think they were um, extremely well-written. I thought that, um, like, I'm one of those people that I can watch episodes of CSI and have no idea what's going on, so I'm not surprised that I'm confused by some things happening because I don't do the whole mystery. I, I really need to have it explained to me. But I think it's just a, it's a great story. It's a really fun read, and it's very angsty, which every once in a while is great. I'm, I'm, just, I'm really having a fun time with it. Now I have to keep reading because I need to get to the end of the story to find out why things that were spoiled for me happened the way they happened. So. I love these chapters. I love the story. I'm happy. <laughs> What's your favorite part of these chapters, too? Um, probably it's probably the stuff with the monk. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, all all around, Ada's probably one of my favorite original characters, and you know me, anything remotely like religious in Harry Potter, and I get giddy. I'm like, go oh, yay! Well, the other two, excuse but, me, excuse yeah. me, Father, I don't have time for this. I need to save the free world. Well, Dumbledore told me you would say that. Beg pardon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he sent a leather and he um and he gave a blood sample because he figured you wouldn't believe the leather. And oh, okay, he, he, maybe he didn't know I'd be here. One thing that jumped on me is her <laughs> characterization of Dumbledore was Dumbledore was his friend. Yeah, I never thought of Dumbledore <laughs> as Harry's friend. I, that was the one thing that I think when I read that I was like, really? Well, maybe well, because I, mean, I just read a story where he hated him, so maybe that was rubbing. Yeah. Him, well, I mean, Harry. By the end of Deathly Hallows, I think you can agree that, that Dumbledore kind of puts himself on the same level as Harry. Yeah. They're kind of, you know, it, it, that scene in King's Cross, I think, did a lot to heal the relationship between Dumbledore and Harry. Yeah, I think Dumbledore considers Harry a friend. I think Harry still has the, the teacher mentality, but I think with maturity, as he grows older, I think that will develop more into him remembering Dumbledore as a friend. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I really... I just, I don't understand people that, that think that Harry kind of has this, like, Harry ultimately understood what Dumbledore was trying to do. He, I mean, he got it. I mean, he wasn't... And he, they yeah. had made their peace by that, yeah, the, the Dumbledore bashing and some things does get to me too. But I think yeah. Harry and Dumbledore and Cannon made their peace during that King's Cross scene. So I like it. I love it too. The one point I almost got, I, I'm going to start a weekly segment on where I get into my weekly car accident. I almost got into the car accident where Simon was being interrogated by the other uh, members of the coven. And he like points at Ginny in the corner 
where she's, you know, hidden in the shadows. I'm like, that's not going to be good. Yeah. And then, of course, <laughs> luckily, Harry arrives and totally kicks ass, which is, is very helpful, I thought. And um, the, the one criticism I had that, that began picking up at the end of these chapters was I think it, it drags a bit more than it has to. Well, I yeah. felt like the Hogwarts scenes dragged a little bit. That was more like the expositionary chapters where they're going into the, the, you know, the hexicology reports and, and they're breaking down. Like, like the scene in the dumpster worked a lot better for me from last week. The second time around I read it. The first time around I read it, it, it just seemed like it was just information being thrown at you. Whereas the second time, you know, Harry finds the teddy bear and, and, and it means a lot more the second time. So I really, when I read it, I really pull those little character moments out of it. Like this time around, like when Ginny finds the Witch Weekly um, magazine with Harry coming out of the jewelry shop, this time I, I had a different impression of that for obvious reasons if you've read it and understand what I'm talking about. Um, but I pulled a lot more um, emotion out of the chapters this time. I, I, I really did. Um, one of the funnier points for me is, is you know, in every great fic, Harry, you know, nearly kills Ron. So when Harry shoots Ron and he's lying on the ground and Harry and Ginny are mourning him without checking for a pulse, and then Ron kind of gets up and like rubs his head. <laughs> I love the point where Tonks comes up and says, "What happened? I missed." <laughs> I, I thought that was just a great. Mo- oh, and can we just please? I, you know what? I, I think we need to end every chapter with a quote. Okay. I, I think okay. I think a quote is very helpful. So I, I don't know if any of you have your favorite quote from a chapter handy, but I have mine here. So here we go. <clears throat> Nah, slurred wrong, staggering drunkenly, and a second later, person's the only muggle song he had ever learned. The ridiculous words <laughs> echoed off the brick walls. So I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really And you can picture the alternative now is to break the statute of secrecy and to engage in armed warfare with the muggles. <laughs> and Ryan's like, hold on, guys. I may have just been shot. I may have massive blood loss. But damn it, I have a plan. It's a good plan. I'm proud of this plan, and this plan's gonna work, damn it. <laughs> I just thought that was, and they all, and the muggles just kinda look at them and just kinda wander away. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just thinking, you know I was what? giggling. I was just, that was such a great image, like, Ron stumbling through the streets of, you know, <laughs> clinging to somebody singing the Spice Girls at the top of the <laughs> And you know what? It occurs to me that the only time that singing the Spice Girls seems to be a good idea is when I'm inebriated. So I can I can see <laughs> I can see how that yeah that's just funny to me. Oh, I have a question. Did she randomly start calling the hospital wing the infirmary? I guess there are a few Americanisms in here. If you can't hear my eye roll, then <laughs> just so you know, I'm rolling my eyes. Um, there are a few Americanisms in here, but yeah, yeah, just but. Just, yeah. Whatever. She's an American. She can write like an American, and I will Sometimes you don't always know when you're using an Americanism that it's an Americanism either. I don't think it's... Yeah. You know, you're well, not I, really British, Yeah, and it's yeah. hard to, well, to I bring, pretend, even I bring though you're pretending that... Because we had the hospital wing in seven books. That was the only reason. Yeah. I'm like, why yeah. did you change that all of a sudden? Well, so who was, somebody on the forum was complaining about... Uh, it might have been Keza, and I love Keza dearly. But a dumpster is a dumpster. It's a dumpster. <laughs> like, it's just, I, sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I just, I've never been a fan of the whole Britishisms thing. Like, we must all write, like, we're J.K. Rowling, and I don't really think that's the part, point of fan fiction. But I'm going to step off my uh, well, soapbox my, my now. La- 
I have two. Fi- I have two final points to make. My first final point is I'm convinced. I was reading something on the forum which really said that it was someone who pointed out the fact that if you use J.K. Rowling's map, there is absolutely no way the Wizarding World has more than 17 people in it. You know, they cannot <laughs> fill a stadium. They cannot fill a professional college. Yeah, but, but, but. I mean, not using J.K.'s map, that's been... I mean, anybody in the fandom has to know by now, just don't do it. It doesn't right. make sense. So, Because what I determined today, and I've, I've known this for a while, but I, I kind of broke it down to a couple of quick sentences today. J.K. Rowling wrote a fairy tale, and a lot of fanfiction authors are trying to take that, that you know, very loose universe, and they are trying to, you know, build something new off of it. So they, you know, we will have, you know, a more detailed world, we will know why it works more, and their world will be will, will be a different spin. You know, child abuse will matter, and, you know, lots of these issues will matter that didn't matter in her world, because they're taking a more realistic view of it, which is fine. I mean, Star Trek's been around for 40 years, they're making a whole new movie this year coming out, and it's going to be a totally new spin on it. It's, it's the new Battlestar Galactica, it's the new, pick anything that's been redone. It, you know, yeah. lost in space, which was a very bad example. But, you know, they do things over again, and maybe they're better, maybe they're not. So I was really thinking that reading this, this is just a totally original spin on J.K. Rowling's universe, and I just think it's fabulous. If you can have Ron sing the Spice Girls, you can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's my policy. I agree. So I'm done for the night. Dan, you have any final thoughts? Uh, go Flyers. He's watching the hockey game. This is the funniest, this is the best, I just have to tell you all, this is like the weirdest recording. I have lost my connection 14 times. I think she, I don't know what she's doing over there. Melinda, you know, I think she's barbecue. I only hear every other word that you're saying now, right? She has no idea what I'm talking about. And Jen, unfortunately, I think she's like under a desk and the building is gone, but the desk is, we should call her. Let's call Jen. Maybe we should call her. Okay, we're going to end the podcast now. Next week, we're going up to chapter some. Check barfigweekly.com. We'll put it up there. And uh, with that, have a great night, everybody. Good night. Have a good night. than here. Can you go in the back room? How would you know? I don't know. Listen to me. I know what I'm doing. Can you go in the back room? I'll call you. Is there a reason you can't talk to us and be in in the safer room, Jen? I can't. I'm hooked up to my, like, I'm standing. Jen, I'll call you on my phone, on your cell phone. But I can't because James yelled at me about the minutes. (laughs) Jen, a tornado's (laughs) about to hit you. I'm I'm looking, though. If I hear the, I'm going to be like, oh, Jen, before we do anything else, can you just say hi to the blooper reel? (laughs) <laughs> this is not funny. This is serious. You're Robin. arguing to me about your minutes. Earthquakes in Boston. Boston, you're arguing about your minutes on your cell phone. I'll write you a check. This is what I think is amusing. All right. The other day we're podcasting. We got people from Australia. We got people from Canada. We got people from the United States. We we podcast with people from England. We've, we've in Texas. T- in Texas, we've talked. Everyone all over the place. <laughs> I did not realize this. P.S. lives a minute and 30 seconds from my house. Are you serious?
She lives a minute. I thought mm-hmm. she lived in Boston, and we're going over Kez's map. She's like, no, I live in and I'm like, is the town next to mine. And that, and oh, I thought she was out in the western part of the no. state. No. Have you ever been to Melinda? Yes. Do you know where the mall is? I've driven by it. Yeah, that's where I, I live right next to it. She's like, oh, I went to that mall today to buy my new mic. I'm like, I was there today. <laughs> like, I could have, like, yeah, it's it Standing next to each other and not have even known it, though, well, right? Well, because I have no idea what she looks like. I'm like, that'd be funny yeah. if I, like, backed out my driveway and hit a car and got out and saw an I Love Horse Slughorn bumper sticker <laughs> on the car. I'd be like, it's going to be me, as well. So I'm like, what are the freaking odds that I'm on pe- with people from Australia, Canada, and the next town over? That just blew my mind. We told him that he broke his laptop. We really stuck him in the corner with duct tape. You don't remember? I do. It was a week ago. It's been so long. (laughs) Michael. Shh. Kez's talking to her son is even more funnier this week because she's saying, Michael, be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Michael can't say anything. (laughs) We could have Mike on the podcast. Say hello, Michael. Hello. Hello. (laughs) We do have Michael on the podcast. Yay. There is. We've gotten our requisite Michael quota. Have you got anything else to say? I don't think he does. I just got a hug. <laughs> we have to have him back next week. Um, yeah. What? I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. He's a peon in training. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you can go now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He wants a huggle. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, you can get off me now. No, oh, I gave you a huggle. Go and put your shoes on. Hey, Michael, can you say stupid? Stupid. <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> you know, I do try and teach my kids not to say stupid. I can't believe I just did that. You're such a bad influence. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame me. <laughs> And welcome back to Beyondcast. I'm P.S. I'm Jen 2. I'm Keza. I'm Richard. And just like we said last week, that guy over in the corner with the duct tape, that's Mike. He's got his notepad and he's poised and ready. And he's waving to all of you. Let's wave back. <laughs> I wonder though if he's uh if he's duct tape, how is he holding his His pad mouth pen up? is duct taped. Can't you see it? Ah, oh now I see. Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Gosh. Tonight our <laughs> fic is Maps to the Stars Homes by Lisby. I chose this fic because it's freaking fantastic. Honestly, I think I like everything about it. And I even like the Harry Ginny in it. That's saying something. That is saying something. So yeah, <laughs> this was the only fic that had Harry Ginny in it that I liked. I mean, not that I like didn't like the other fics. What I mean is like in all the other in the, all the other Harry Ginny fics that I've read, the part of the fic that was the relationship part, I didn't like. You're P.S. a bad influence picked, on me. P.S. picked Harry and Ginny. Well, they weren't oh, in all that my. much. There was other stuff in it. It's not like I know, but the whole, I mean, it is a Harry and Jenny fic. This is very Gryffindor for P.S. <laughs> 
You realize my test came back Gryffindor and Ryan put me in Slytherin anyway. I know. I think that sucks because I wanted to be in Slytherin, but I didn't know he was going to take favors like that, and I would have asked if I knew he would change it, but anyway. Go ahead. I asked for Gryffindor, and then I said, no, wait, I only want it because it's my favorite color. I'm being a colorist. Just put me in Ravenclaw. <laughs> my wedding was Gryffindor colors, and Ross was telling me the other day that I needed to have a blue one and renew my vows because my first one was green, and my second one was red and gold, and <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I don't like blue, and she found it very amusing that there was a Ravenclaw he did like I'm glad you're a Ravenclaw. Yeah, I'm glad I'm a Ravenclaw too. If you do a blue wedding, you're just going to have to have a yellow wedding to make it even. Right. Yeah, well, I don't want to do another wedding ever again. But speaking of the fic, in which there are no, no, wedding. no weddings, no weddings whatsoever. <laughs> what There's does no... happen in the fic? I found it very confusing at first because it kept going back and forth, but I did like the character descriptions that this author does. Carol, who had been a sex siren and a screen legend under a different name, now she was just a faded old woman who wore too much makeup. His roommate's name was Melanie. She was four years older than he and could put her feet behind her ears. He shared a house with a public servant who spent his weekends dancing in clubs and taking pills, and with a sales girl who worked in an exclusive boutique and spent her wages on tattoos her customers would never see. It describes the people and gives you those little snippets and you can build pictures of these people. You can see that sales girl, guy in the suit on the bus. You can see that dancer putting her feet behind her ears and stuff. Those little insignificant parts. Yeah, I did think that that was pretty good. And I just like the way that the out of order bits are done because it's numbered so you could put it in order if you wanted to. I like the way it alternates between the year of the war and the year after. So it's like you have this bit of the war and then you have Harry traveling the world. I could appreciate the structure more on the second read-through? I loved the structure. In the author's notes, she warns that it has a non-linear narrative structure. Okay, I have something that I should really say. At the beginning, I didn't really understand that the author had taken a Tarantino route, even though there's a big warning right there. I don't. Maybe I should read the author's notes. I seriously did not enjoy the uh, post-Hapla Prince characterization of Snape, because everybody knows that Snape is my favorite character, but to look at him after Deathly Hallows versus before the cowardly guy who messed over everybody, stabbed everybody in the back, versus the hero of the light and did all these wonderful things despite what his motivations were it's hard for me to go back from that to the one before and to sort of say you know hey he was a bad guy he was cowardly blah 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 which post half-blood princess but we thought maybe that's my own failures as a reader but me personally i didn't enjoy it the characterization of snape that is i didn't think snape was evil in this fic i thought he was no, good but when he gets to the grave did you not like that the coward thing i didn't no, no, like not that the coward thing. what harry like, says well, at the grave site oh, i'll yeah, read well, it you saved my life heaps of times. You tried to save my parents, even though my dad was a bully and my mom was a mudblood. You didn't kill Neville, even when you had a chance. So I think Snape is good in this fic. And Neville had been there, and yeah. Harry was being there, and they left some really important stuff there, like they really respected him and stuff. I mm-hmm. thought that it was the same sort of characterization as mm-hmm. we eventually got in Deathly Hallows. What I thought said a lot, he walked respectfully away until he was gone, far away, before he actually popped away. This is like the last thing he did before he went on his trip. See, I read it out of order. I didn't even do that. Well, I didn't realize it was out of order. I just thought it was all jumbling. <laughs> Can I say the part that made me cry the first time I read it? It's the part when Ron has arrived at the Dursleys. Oh! And okay, he he sees the cupboard under the stairs cupboard. and he's trying to make a oh, joke. Yeah, I liked the understated way that it was done. Mm-hmm. It was natural for Ron to go to that cupboard and go, oh man, if this was in a wizarding house, it'd have a ghoul in it. But he's just being curious and opens it. He didn't then go and blast the Dursleys because I've yeah. seen that written so 
many times that they go, oh, what's here? And it's really unnatural and forced when Ron and Hermione discover this space and then they get all indignant about it. And I've just found a lot more natural way for it to be discovered. I found that really well written. They go to see Xenophilius and first he tells them, oh, the Quibble's really not stupid articles. It's just hidden messages. <laughs> I'm completely in the whole love good feeling. And then all of a sudden I start to get nervous. Yeah. Because I'm I like, saw this he... house from the outside. It didn't have a cellar. I thought he was a bad man. Me yeah. too. Yeah, and I really started to freak out for them. And everything that we know about the love goods, everything's pretty disorderly. But yet they go down this passageway and they're kind of flipping out. And there are all those books. Such She's a great like, Hermione moment. And I could just feel Hermione walking down that hall and thinking, my books are gone. My books are gone. And they were library books. I stole all of those library books. For what? I can see her thinking, I'm going to rot in Azkaban for stealing library books and they're gone because I trusted them to Luna's dad. <laughs> And then she's just like, thank you. And I dug that part. I liked it too. I thought it was a pretty good portrayal of the post-war world that you get in Hermione's letters to Harry, not knowing how the war ended, trying to show what might happen. Another thing that I really like, which obviously gave the story its name, was just Harry's note back to Ron. The day before he left, he bought one of those maps to the homes of famous people. On the back, he wrote, as you can see, muggles really know how to have fun. And he went to the Winchester Mystery House house. I love the Winchester Mystery House. I have to tell about the Winchester Mystery House because it's so cool. It's this crazy house. There are stairs that go to nowhere and there are doors that open into brick walls and it's so cool. Yeah, I've heard of it I and read about it. I, I've not been there. Sarah Winchester, she thought she was being haunted by everyone the guns her husband's company produced had ever killed. So she built this house to confuse the ghosts. See, I didn't know what that was, but you know what I thought about there? It says, Harry saw no ghosts, but he was oddly reminded of Hogwarts and he wasn't sorry to leave. And I actually found that a bit strange because he loves Hogwarts. I think he just wanted to get away from everything for a little while. Hogwarts might be haunting for him. And then also Hermione's note saying that it was going to take two years for Hogwarts to reopen. That told me that obviously there was a lot of damage at yeah, the school. Yeah, that's true. The setting representations were really good. Tessa, what did you think of Australia in it? It starts off in Sydney and I have to say I rolled my eyes. I'm like, why does everyone start off in Sydney and I did the same thing in my fic. I thought it was curious that the streets were too narrow because the streets in Sydney aren't that narrow. Generally speaking, Sydney has fairly wide streets. But, you know, everyone eventually goes to Queensland. That's where Australia goes to die, so... <laughs> it seemed appropriate that he then went north. There's not a lot about Australia in it, really. It didn't seem very descriptive of Australia. But I, mean, I did find it interesting that he arrived there in December and Ginny gets there in November. I found it interesting that he put down his roots there, obviously, because he bought the house there and he stayed there for like a year, whereas everywhere else had only been a, he'd moved a on fairly, of months. Yeah, yeah, right. fairly quickly. And I thought it was interesting. Why did he choose there? Why well, did he go to Australia? Well, it did say that he fulfilled his private lifelong dream of buying a house on the beat. You know, maybe he just, you know, wanted to live a simple life. Sun, sand. If I could hang out on a veranda with a cocktail. I wouldn't do it in Queensland, though. It's a shocking place. I thought it was like a desert because Ginny flew over the and desert. There's a big desert in the middle of Australia. It stretches across. See, it says she caught the port key to Perth and then she flew on the broomstick. There's a massive desert across Western Australia and it stretches into the Simpson Desert and that's the one that goes across the top of South Australia, which is where I live. It also goes across where 
where Uluru is and across the, the bottom of the Northern Territory and into Queensland. It's an absolutely huge desert. The Simpson Desert is so huge, it actually is very different. There are salt pans, there are lots of different habitats and landscapes in the Simpson Desert. It is that huge. It would take in a car probably to get from Perth to Brisbane driving across that desert, it would take probably nearly a week to get across the country. Wow. That's how massive it is. It is that vast. Poor Ginny. It's it's huge. So, and yeah, the fact she, that she threw, flew across there on a broomstick in November is pretty impressive. <laughs> well, she was nearly dead when she Yeah, that's there. believable. Totally. <laughs> well, it says her face is raw. Yeah, she's sunburnt. That would also be entirely impossible. Mm-hmm. Get caught out in the sun in Australia, it's pretty harsh. Across that desert, it would have been that time of year, yeah, she would be very burnt. So that was all. It was quite believable, all those little things, just like the rest of it. Yeah, I give it a thumbs up. I like the bit where he says, my cousin got a scholarship to a boarding school in Tasmania. <laughs> Reckon that's your mumbo-jumbo people. He says, maybe is your cousin smart? Thick as two planks. Then it's probably my mumbo-jumbo people. <laughs> if I was going to put a school in the wizarding world in Australia, I would not put it in Tasmania. I was always afraid of the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> like the Looney Tune, like not the real animal, like the Looney Tune. I thought it would get Don't me. you find that great big kangaroo thumping mouse thing from Looney Tunes more uh, frightening? I always found him more frightening than the Tasmanian devil. The Tasmanian devil used to make me laugh, but that kangaroo thing just used to freak me out every time because it looks so innocent and then bam 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 just dumps everyone you know and destroys everything <laughs> in its path i showed you that cartoon keza says mike that's not spelt with a z please people t-a-s-m-a-n-i-a a z it's not a z it's a z z z z so anyway why wouldn't you put a school in tasmania i would not put it in tassie because well i don't know you know probably the main reason is because I haven't been there. Aside from that, (laughs) if I was going to put a magical school somewhere, I would want it to be somewhere that nobody went, that nobody can find. And if I had magic at my disposal, I would just put it in the middle of the desert because no one goes there. But it probably wouldn't be quite as practical. But no, I'd probably put it in country New South Wales, in among all the gum trees. I like gum trees. I've got a thing for them. I always thought that America would have a bunch of schools. Wizarding schools? Yeah, like I would always think there's one in the northeast and then maybe one in the southeast and then one in the I think there's probably one at Salem, you know? Like, it sounds pretty cliche, Mm -hmm. but I reckon there's got to be one at Salem. You know, I've always imagined that there was one in New Orleans. Yes! I know, a New Orleans chant. I left my wife in New Orleans with 45 cents in a can of beans because I thought it was right, right. Right for my country. Whoopsie doo. Okay. Have you not heard that? No. You must have heard no. it. It's a Civil War thing. Come on. Told you I was cultured. Sorry. You marched to it. Left. I know. Left. I left my heart in San Francisco. <laughs> they fought on the other side, Keza. Well, I don't know. Richard might have been a rebel. Are you a rebel? Well, my, some of my ancestors were. I mean, I could join Sons of the Confederacy. Do you know that chant? Hey, what was she talking about? I'd missed the I left my I wife for New Orleans for 45 cents in a can of beans because I thought it was right. Right. Right for my country, whoopsie do. Nope. I can't say I've ever heard that one. It's a march, you know, and you do left, right, and when you sing right, right, 
a left turn and you no. your left foot, you know. It's for teaching kids no. rhythm. Well, I told you I was cold. You know, going back to the fic for a second. Yes, that's a good idea. You know, idea. after we're talking about um, in section 12 where he gets to Australia and he's talking to his roommates about the boarding school in Tasmania. They ask what happens to his cousin. Didn't they say, uh, re- reckon you ought to be nice to him? I had a cousin once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like the way it ended with Harry and Ginny, that they pretty much sent each other small notes back and forth all the way through it, and they didn't really have a whole lot of expectations about each other, and I'm glad that we didn't really have to know what made them decide that they were going to go find themselves for a while, but I just really like that he tells her that he'd like her to stick around, and she says that she'd like that. I like the last line. I even like that, because I think I like Harry Ginny in this fic, because I like the Ginny in this fic. I think she She's really independent, and then she went off to be a freelance illegal curse breaker. Yeah. I liked that. I've pretty much decided that in all of the fics that I think are worth anything, as far as Harry Jenny fics go, I'm not going to like it unless Jenny is a very strong-willed, independent person. That's funny. I think that, too, and I've only ever liked if, one. If she's portrayed <laughs> as a simpering, fangirlish, hanger-on, like some ornament for him, I click off. Mm. It, it doesn't do anything for me, and I won't read it. Good call. And the same goes, I won't read badly portrayed Harry either. What's badly portrayed Harry? <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't like it when people write him and make him a prick. <laughs> Or when he's too together, you know what I mean? Like when he's too slick. Too suave, too sophisticated. Yeah, he has to make mistakes and still be a little bit... He has has to be a little bit emotionally clueless. He he has to be a little bit backwards because he just... I think if he does anything smooth, it has to be completely unconscious. He not even realizes that he does it. The whole planning Harry really gets to me. Harry doesn't plan anything (laughs) in canon. Hermione plans everything and Harry goes along with it. No, the, the planning Harry... Harry doesn't do it for me. The, the smooth Harry doesn't do it for me unless it's something completely off the cuff and he doesn't realize he's doing it. Yeah, I don't like reading leadership Harry. Yeah, because I think when he was the leader in, in the DA, it was an accident because he thought Hermione yeah. was the leader, I'm, remember? I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he obviously was... He, That's what I mean. Hermione he was good with the spells and people obviously were going to, to trust him and they were going to look to him for leadership. He didn't do that on purpose. But you read so many of these stories where Harry has got it all together and everyone is like little disciples like little hairy disciples and they and they all yeah. follow him around and he, and he plans to do it he plans to say right i'm going to get them to do this and and all that sort of stuff and it's just and not i'm going to go off and save the world pretty much has it all together and i am leader harry you know it's a little too christ-like for me you know harry you know i, I don't like that parallel mm-hmm. because he's harry he's just a boy. Yeah, yeah, he's just a boy you know, with too much responsibility on his shoulders. You know, he didn't ask for any of this stuff. He's not really supposed to be the savior of the world, so I don't like it when people portray him or write him like that he is. And it's like stepping into that right. role naturally. He went into it kicking and screaming. He didn't hold up the badge and pin it to his robe like Percy did and say, look, save ya. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, Richard's he still is, here. Isn't he? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> We'd wondered where you'd gone. I'm here. I'm just listening. <laughs> Anything yeah. else to say? Well, he gets it now because he knows what order yeah. it goes in. I'll have to read it again, I think. 
He just is really quiet because he doesn't want to admit that he wasn't real crazy about the story. I'm just looking forward to maybe having a pick soonish that's not Harry you and Jenny. You have a pick coming hey, up? I can't believe I just said that. My pick is a <laughs> next pick is a HG fig. But, but it's not it's not a HG centric fig. It's just it's called mining the baby. It's about it's, the focus is not on Harry and Jenny's relationship. It's on other things. Oh no, no, Mike. no! We're not. T- you're writing. Someone take away his notepad. He <laughs> thinks that just because it's about a baby. Oh. <laughs> No, no, no. You'll be you'll be surprised to know that there are other ways of making children than two guys. (laughs) Really, I hadn't noticed. Mike, it's just about a baby. Just because it's about a baby doesn't mean. Let's just take away his paper. Let's just wrap the fic up. (laughs) Say Say good night, Mike. Yeah. Mike says good night. He has written it in big bold letters. (laughs) Mike actually says night with three exclamation marks. He's nodding his head enthusiastically. He bows to Poufwa. <laughs> so weird. Hey, he's bowing. What more could they ask for? I'm going to curtsy. Okay. I thought it was well, a really good fic piece. I, I enjoyed it. I once love I, it. It's wonderful. Once I worked It's definitely out the order. one of my all-time favorites. It's worth a bookmark. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yay. Yay. I'm so glad you liked the I did. fic that I picked. I did like it. <laughs> And I'm looking forward to liking Richards next week. Yay! <laughs> My next pick, just after this one, is going to be really Good. just weird. Okay. You mess we with like me. We like experimenting. You pick whatever you want. I'm going to stick it really to the <laughs> HG people and for you guys for making me read that crap all the time. <laughs> hey, don't don't include me with them. Did you pick PS? And oh, you were wait, telling you me oh. the other day, you pick what you like. If you like it, we'll do it. I know, I'm just teasing. That's the only one I liked. At least it wasn't fluff and... (gasps) She's dissing my fluff. (laughs) And weddings. There weren't weren't any weddings. No weddings. I'm going to cry now. babies. No sex. (laughs) That that was kind of in the wrong order. (laughs) I guess babies come after sex. (laughs) Wait, they do? Not if it's in Let let me clarify then. Babies come only after certain kinds of sex. (laughs) Or the interaction of certain organism cells. (laughs) Because you can interact them anywhere. (laughs) I was talking about test tubes. And petri dishes, goodness me, you people have filthy. Kansas teaches biology, next on Peoncast. <laughs> oh, man, I am so excited. I may vomit. We should say goodnight. Yep. This has been Peoncast. It was Maps to the Stars Homes by Lizby. Next week, we're doing Minding the Baby by Kay Schneier. So join us next week for that fic, and hopefully Mike will have freed himself from our high-up job by then. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Good night. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.